I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word SID. Breaking news, and it is sad news. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter has died. She was 96. It's now my pleasure to introduce someone whom I love and respect and cherish, my wife Rosalind. She was Jimmy Carter's partner, best friend, and closest advisor in and out of the White House for more than three quarters of a century. Soft-spoken, politically savvy, and fiercely determined, Rosalind Carter was known as the Steel Magnolia, and she made the role of First Lady her own. She was front and center from the start, attending cabinet meetings, leading on policy issues, including mental health. Becoming the first First Lady since Eleanor Roosevelt to testify before Congress. She served as President Carter's emissary, taking high-profile trips to Latin America and Asia. Often more popular than the president himself, she was his advocate-in-chief. I'm proud of Jimmy Carter and the job he's doing, and he is without a doubt the best person in our country to see us through these times. Through it all, she remained her husband's greatest champion. It irritates me when people say he's a good formal president. He was a good president. I don't worry about his place in history. As for her own place in history, Rosalind Carter was characteristically modest. I just hope people think I did the best I could. Our leader is a stupid person. Our leader... can't get off this stage. You see this stage? When he's finished with the speech, by the time whatever it is he's taking wears off, and he's he's looking. Okay, thank you. Thank you. We're down at one. Fake to Barkley. And now DeVito connects with Darius Slayton. And Slayton makes a move, takes it into the end zone. He went around Kendall Fuller for a Giants touchdown. 40-yard pass play. Tim Boyle has taken the field. Wow. It's a big moment. A lot of people have been all season long saying, when are they going to do something like this? The mayor's budget cuts. No department was spared, not even the NYPD, which will now have the lowest number of employees in decades. Police, fire department of sanitation, even library services. So it just depends upon the person. The mayor warned in advance that the cuts were coming, and they're hurting a little bit more than most were expecting. A mix of frustrated New Yorkers and elected officials found common ground Friday, demonstrating inside of City Hall Park in protest of news coming out of City Hall. The Care Not Cuts rally was in direct response to the budget cuts announced by the Adams administration, 5% across the board, totaling upwards of $4 billion. 
billion impacting every city agency, including public safety. To that end, the cuts will mean the NYPD having less than 30,000 employees for the first time in decades. And the next five classes of new officers would be postponed. Sid Rosenberg is a WABC New York radio host, and he joins us now. Sid, thanks for being here. The impact, it's anyone who walks the streets of New York or rides the subways has already seen the quality of life impact. And apparently when it comes to the city's ability to improve that quality of life, you're about to see it get worse. Yeah, you are. You know, look, Will, first of all, good to see you again, pal. But I'm wearing a shirt tonight that says New York stands with Israel. And it's important because it pertains to this story. New York stands with the cops. Eric Adams... Nothing personal. I actually like Eric Adams. We've dined together. We've had a nice little friendship. But the truth is, as he calls for more money and complains about the crisis, well, he caused it. A year ago, he was standing at the front of the bus line saying, welcome to New York. We're a sanctuary city. Come one, come all. You can't call yourself a sanctuary city and then a year later complain we've got too many migrants. It's the same thing with Joe Biden. He's there for Israel, except he's in bed with Iran. All these guys do the same thing. They end up, they start off, I should say, doing the wrong thing. And when it gets real hot and heavy, Will, then they complain, I need more money. This city right now has a crisis of crime like it's never seen. We've got criminals. Then we've got migrants, illegals Mm -hmm. that do commit crimes. And then we've got the real threat, Will, of terrorism. You combine those three things, this city needs 40,000 cops, maybe 45,000, not 28,000. So, Eric Adams, it's nice you care now, but where were you a year ago? Uh, my appearance, the last piece of audio you heard in that great open put together once again by executive producer Justin Ellick. That was my appearance on the Jesse Waters show on Fox News on Friday night. It's been a while, but I was back on Friday. Jesse was not there. He was in Nashville, Tennessee with the rest of the Fox News people for those Patriot Awards. So Will Kane, who's very good. I like Will Kane a lot. Will Kane uh, subbed in for Jesse. They had me on on Friday night talking specifically about 
these budget cuts, 5% across the board, that will equate to about $40 billion, less cops, less fire, less sanitation, less education, shutting down libraries. It is a mess. It is a mess. And of all times, to have less cops, as I explained to Will Kane and the millions watching on Fox News on Friday night, we've got three different threats in this city. Three. You've got your everyday criminals, which are still committing a lot of crimes here in New York City. Subway crimes, beating up people, stealing stuff, bunch of low-life degenerates walking these streets every day. Then you've got the illegals. And if you think all these illegals come here and don't commit crimes, you're an idiot. So that's the second class of crimes. And then you've got the terrorist possibility. How many folks from all these terrorist countries have come here in the last three years? And most smart people say thousands. We have no idea. Everyday criminals, illegals, and terrorists. Three different classes of criminals. And we're actually going to have less cops, under 30,000. We haven't seen that in a long time. You know it's bad. You know it's bad when Cardi B starts to bitch and complain. But I agree in the same week with Bernie Sanders, who broke up a fight amongst Republicans in the House, and Cardi B, who called out the mayor, Eric Adams, at New York City. You know the world is being... Turned upside down. So, uh, Noam Layden, my newsman, give me the latest on the uh, on these cuts and what can New Yorkers actually expect. It's bad, uh, Sid. So you're talking about, in the end, over five years, there'll be 5,000 less cops on the streets due to these cuts. And this is just the first one, Sid. He's talking about 5% here. But uh, if things aren't in order, another six months, it'll be another 5% cut. We're not exactly sure where those cuts will be made. So you're talking less cops, uh, firefighters, less firefighters. Uh, those trash bins that you see on the streets, some of them will be taken away. So there'll be potentially more trash around. And as we try to get this rat population under control, uh, $120 million less for the school system. So pre-K, uh, 3K. And summer school programs will be slashed. And I'm leaving out one, another big one. But those are the four that come to mind right away. So huge. And as you might guess, I was talking to people on the streets on Friday. People are really upset. No, I know. And they should be. Uh, actually, Brad Lander, who I can't stand, New York City controller, potential candidate for mayor uh, next year, he said uh, on Friday these budget cuts to the schools are really bad. May as well play this, Lou Rafino. This is the New York City Comptroller Lander, who's going to run against Eric Adams at some point. Cut number two. Are you telling me we can't play it? Why we don't not? have it. We don't have it yet. We're we don't have it now. yet. Okay. We're working Going on all now. these things. Oh, it's it's being loaded now. All right. Well, we'll get back to Brad Lando in a second. He's a moron anyway. Uh, but those are those are the major issues with what we saw on uh, Friday. Here it is. Play it now. The New York City Comptroller on the education aspect of these budget cuts. Saving money by telling ourselves it's okay not to have our four-year-olds in pre-K classes is um, is, is a bad decision for the future of that student and the whole city. So Rosalind Carter passed away over the weekend. Jimmy Carter's wife, 96 years old, grace and elegance and all those things. <laughs> In the open, Justin goes from this nice little news piece 
on Rosalind Carter to my guy, President Trump, live in Iowa, I guess. Where was he? Dodge City over the weekend? And the contrast in style and class, and nobody loves Trump more than me. At this point, nobody does. No one. But the contrast in style and class between Rosalind Carter and Donald Trump is immeasurable. Is that fair to say, Noam? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But Donald Trump was a great president, and Rosalind Carter's husband sucked. Horrible president. She may be a lovely lady. She did all those great things. But I'm sorry. Not until Joe Biden came along in my lifetime was there a worse president, and I'll be 57 if God is good to me in April, than her husband. But not about that today. And you know what happens. You know, they went to hospice together. Rosalind died at 96. I think Jimmy is 97. And you know he's going to die any day now. His partner's gone. And, you know, they were a lovely couple, married for over 70 years. And there's no way one can live without the other. On, on a serious note, they really did have a beautiful romance and a great love story. So she passes away. Now you can expect Jimmy to join her in heaven uh, sometime soon. Any thoughts, Noam, on Rosen Carter's passing? Yeah, well, you know, forget politics aside. What they did post-presidency was amazing. You know, with the Habitat for Humanity, they built uh, hundreds of thousands of homes for the homeless all around the world. And they weren't just people who stood by for photo ops. They would be there when they were younger, hammering away, sawing, building these homes along with all the other volunteers. They did do all that. You're right. And it is true that Jimmy Carter certainly did his best work after he was done with the presidency, where he did horrible work. (laughs) 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 But um, we do wish uh, Jimmy the best and, of course, Rosalind Carter, rest in peace. All right, so the Open had uh, Trump, you had Rosalind Carter, you had me on Fox News on Friday night, Jesse Waters primetime with Will Kane, you had the piece on Eric Adams, and you had some football now, Tommy DeVito, who has been awful. He was every bit as bad as the Giants quarterback the last couple of weeks as Jimmy Carter was as president. And that's saying a lot. He was awful. And there was no reason to believe that at any point Tommy DeVito, whose mom still makes his bed and makes some chicken cutlets, God bless him, was going to play well. But uh, that's the beauty of the National Football League. You just don't know. The Giants, nearly a double-digit underdog in Washington against the Commanders yesterday in a meaningless football game, come out and play great. Beat the Commanders by a final score of 31-19. And Tommy DeVito, yes, threw three touchdown passes and did not turn it over. Two of those went to uh, Saquon Barkley. We did play one of those cuts in the open. We'll play it again uh, sometime throughout today's program. That was Kenny Albert on the call. So the Giants improved to 3-8. and eight. Don't look now, but you know what's funny about New York fans? They buried DeVito for weeks, as I did. They buried the head coach for weeks, as I did. After yesterday's performance, the amount of folks on the Internet praising Tommy DeVito was huge. A huge number of folks. Big game against Washington. That's it. He's the next upcoming quarterback for the Giants. Giants will host the struggling New England Patriots 
coming up on Sunday. And then there's the Jets. You know, and I keep going back to week one, the Jets. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. They eke out that win over the Buffalo Bills. The defense looked great. Joe Beningo comes on this show yelling and screaming at me. This is a playoff team. They got a great defense, big-time special teams. They can run the football. Zach Wilson is good enough on this team to win games. And I said, no, he's not. You guys remember, I did not back down, not even a little, did I? No, you did not. And Zach Wilson proves week in and week out. He does not belong in the NFL. And I got to tell you. He's brutal. I would fire the head coach. I really would. I mean, he has stuck with this guy. And you're going to say, well, listen, he's better than Tim Boyle. Maybe that's the case. But eventually, the coach, the GM, Douglas, they got to pay for this. They drafted this kid number two overall. They refused to cut ties. I mean, the 49ers, they cut ties with Trey Lance right away. And now they've got a kid named Brock Purdy who never loses. You can do that. You know, you can admit you made a mistake, and the Jets just won't do it. Year after year, the last couple of years, Zach Wilson is on the team, and he plays. And he gives the Jets no chance of winning. None. They were humiliated in Buffalo yesterday, 32-6. to They scored their first touchdown since Matt Snell scored a touchdown against the Colts in Super Bowl III. <laughs> but they finally benched the quarterback, went to Tim Boyle, and the Jets have a short week. I don't know if you guys know this, but, of course, with Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday, we've got three NFL games on Thanksgiving, three of them. What do we got? Uh, who are the matchups uh, coming up on Thursday? I had them here in front of me. Green Bay at Detroit, Bay, Detroit. Washington at Dallas. Dallas, the 49ers at the Seahawks, and then there's a game on Friday. That never happens. Usually Friday is all college football, but the Jets play the Dolphins – who won big again yesterday. They're atop the AFC East at 7-3 and three on Friday. So the question is, will Zach Wilson start for the Jets on Friday against Miami? The Jets are 4-6. and six. They're buried in third place behind Buffalo and Miami. Zach Wilson should never start a game again for the Jets. That's my opinion. So you had the football. But I have to tell you that um, with all we just covered in the first 19 minutes, this was one of the most rewarding weekends I've had in a long time, maybe ever. And I know I can say the same thing for my beautiful wife, Danielle, because what we did on Friday and Saturday was just amazing. And Dove Hikend, he's going to join us coming up at 8.15. He'll have even more details on what's coming up down the road. So I'll get you those specifics. Specifically Saturday at a shul in Woodmere, Long Island. But I'm telling you this right now. This show, Sitting Friends in the Morning, will do anywhere between two and three shows live from Jerusalem sometime in January. I am telling you that right now. And I'll tell you why that's going to be the case, how we are going to finance that trip, where we're going to stay, and the genuine enthusiasm, the genuine enthusiasm for this show, this show not just in a shul in Woodmere, but all over New York, all over the country, as far as Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, and why this show has no choice at this point 
but to do exactly what I just said. Noam, what do you think of that idea? That sounds very exciting. Noam wants to make sure we stay at the King David and not the, uh, what, the uh, Holiday Inn? Well, I was thinking actually even better than the King David is the Waldorf Astoria. That's newer. So I think we is that right? Yeah. Is that in Jerusalem it's, also? Yeah, it's downtown. And where is uh, King David? Not it's downtown. also downtown, but it's a little bit off the you know beaten path. But I feel like King David is that. That's like the uh, the big hotel. Like, it is. It's, the Waldorf is all over the United States. Yeah, but the Waldorf is newer. King David, you know, you'll see more famous people maybe at the King David. What do you mean by famous? Well, people? like if you're anybody famous and you're coming to Israel, that's where you stay. That's where you stay, mm-hmm. right? All right, well, I'll uh, I'll put it out there for the folks who at this point are going to finance this trip. Uh, Lou, what do you think about the real potential, this is not a joke, the real potential of live, show, live shows from Jerusalem coming up early in 2024? I think it's a task, but definitely should be very possible. It's going to be, it's going to happen. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. That's good. And, but I think it's a great idea. Yeah. It's all. It's always a great idea until six guys with guns and masks show up at the King David Hotel, and <laughs> well, right. and then here we go again. It's time at the corner in the morning. So. <laughs> right. That is da- that is a downside. And you let me know how uh, it goes when you're over there. <laughs> right. I'll be here at the board. And uh, oh, right. you'll be here. Uh, Justin probably. will have to come with me. No more we'll see. Noam knows Israel pretty well. His dad lives there. so. But Dove Hyken's going to come with me and a host of others. We will get to all these stories, plus a great guest yesterday, which includes Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, the aforementioned Dove Hyken, Bill O'Reilly here on a Monday because we're off on Thursday, Joe Borelli, Jason Trenert, and more. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. A short three-day work week for Sid and Friends in the morning. So today is Monday, but it's really Wednesday. Happy Thanksgiving week, folks. Sid and Friends in the morning coming back right after this. time inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply if you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at 
at info at gobblelaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Fagan and Steely Dan. What's the name of the song again, Sweet Lou? Rose Darling. Rose Darling. We're going to do a whole bunch of stuff with Rose Darling Carter today, even though Noam says horrible things about her. Said her husband was the worst president ever in the first segment. There was no need to say that. Not today. Or maybe I said that. No, one of you. I'm going to say it more than once. He was horrible. But uh, she was a lovely lady, and it's sad that she died. And she died way too My mother would say she died way too young. She was 96 years old. That's a young lady today. I swear to God, my mother's like that. Everybody dies too young. Oh, what a sad. Tragic, Terrible, tragic. tragic. 96, too young. She had so much more to give. So much more. Yeah. But she uh, she is gone. We played uh, in the, to start the show today, we played The Long Run, one of my favorite Eagles songs ever. Has nothing to do with Rosalind Carter, but there is a birthday today. And in my opinion... And I think Lou will agree with me. This guy is one of the great musicians in my lifetime, celebrating a birthday today, part of that Eagles band with Don Henley and Glenn Fry and Tim Schmidt and the rest of them, Joe Walsh. Indeed. You would agree he's one of the greatest. I, I would say he's up there. Guitarist. Yeah. yeah, he's great. So um, how old is uh, Joe Walsh He today? is 76 today. 76. Young man, as my mother would yeah, say. Yeah, that's right. Got Teenager. So much, got so much more play So much more. A lot. A lot to do. <laughs> Give it a girl. And then we played uh, two Rosie songs, Rosanna by Toto and that song by Steely Dan. And again, we got a great, great, great guest list coming up today. I do want to tell you, on Friday night, because it was a big Jewish weekend for me, you know, Somebody said to me, Sid, are you going to become like an Orthodox Jew now? I said, calm down. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I love my people. I've never been more proud to be Jewish. Uh, I will go to every synagogue, every shul. I will do shows live from Israel next month. But I'm not turning into, like my cousin, you know, I got this cousin, Naomi, and these other cousins on my father's side of the family, Nelson and Maxine, and you know, they were out there and drinking and smoking weed and, you know, wife swapping, doing all that stuff on Fire Island. And then they found God, you know, and they became like these real religious Jews. And they ain't going to be me. But um, I still um, I still am trying to do more now than I did before October 7th. So I told you that Danielle joined a shul, a local temple, a couple of weeks ago, right after October the 7th. And now we've gone to two Shabbat dinners at our local shul. The second one was just this Friday night. Rabbi Epstein, love her. She does a great job. A huge crowd, about 150 people. In fact, my buddy John, who owns Claudette's, you may know Claudette's if you're out in Rockaway, and he owns it. 
He was there and catered the event. So it was a lovely time on Friday night. And then I got up Saturday morning, and that was the big one, which I'll tell you more specifics about coming up. And Dove Hyken will also tell you coming up at 8.15. What did you do this weekend, Noam? For your religion. Uh, well, um, <laughs> uh, not, not there, much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look who's now passing Come the judgments down. Right. Look, look at him. Come he's on, like man. found the Judaism <laughs> and he's like, what did you do? <laughs> and, of course, there was pictures of him in synagogue popping up on Instagram right. all weekend. I saw that, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at Dove Hyken and him making the rounds. I did take one picture, and it's me and Dove wearing our talit. Right outside the temple, and you know you're not supposed to have phones there. In fact, when we had the uh, the lunch at the rabbi's house, at one point I checked the score of the Michigan football game, <laughs> and they looked at me like I was Hamas. Right. <laughs> I swear to God. So Dove was like, you know, you shouldn't be taking pictures and get me into trouble. I said I'll take one outside, not inside the shul. So I posted it at Rosenberg Sydney. I can tell everybody, uh, follow me on Instagram at Rosenberg Sydney at Rosenberg Sydney and Sid Rosenberg on Facebook. And I got a ton of likes, you know, a lot of comments. It's really a lovely picture. So you did see that, Noam, and you felt badly, didn't you? Yeah, incredibly badly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time to save yourself, Noam Layden. All right. There is still time. All right, bunch of uh, great guests, starting with Curtis Sliwa comes your way at 7 o'clock this morning. Our first look at traffic with the great Joe Nolan is coming up. But right now it is time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to my man, John Katz-Matidis. He does that great show during the week, 5 to 6 p.m. every weeknight alongside Rita Cosby, Katz and Cosby. But his Sunday show, the Katz Roundtable with John Katz-Matidis, that's a grand slam home run. That's where common sense prevails. Always telling both sides of the story every Sunday morning, starting at 8. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Here, John talks with Victoria Coates about global conflicts. Victoria, tell us what keeps you up at night. The global situation is really deteriorating, John, uh, and it's it's happening in Europe. It's happening in the Middle East, and it's happening in Asia, but it's happening here in our our hemisphere on our, our southern border. And we had the spectacle this week of President Biden going off to San Francisco, once one of our great cities, bringing together a number of different Pacific powers, including, of course, the People's Republic of China. And so when Chairman Xi arrived, we also had the spectacle of the streets of San Francisco lined with communist Chinese flags. It was as if he was back in Beijing. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to fearlessboilers.com, pavilion to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best footballers starting on the gridiron in Washington, D.C. The New York football giant snapped out of their basically season-long scoring coma to deliver a 31-19 beatdown of the Commanders on uh, the Commanders' home field. The Giants deep for six Commanders turnovers, including three Sam Howell interceptions to help New York complete the season sweep of their division arrival. In his second NFL start, undrafted rookie quarterback Tommy DeVito completed 18 of 26 passes for 246 yards and three touchdown passes in a route to his first NFL win. Two of those touchdown passes went to Saquon Barkley and the other to Darius Slayton with the win. New York approves to a much less embarrassing 3-8 and eight on the year while Washington falls to 4-7. and seven. In Buffalo, the Jets found themselves on the wrong side of a romp at the hands of the division rival Bills. 
losing 32-6 to in a game that was never really theirs uh, from the get-go. Buffalo scored on six of its first eight possessions yesterday, pulling away early and often uh, to put the Jets away with ease. New York falling to four and six overall with the loss, dropped their third straight, and Coach Robert Sala potentially opened up the door for a quarterback switch. Starter Zach Wilson was benched with 217 remaining in the third quarter and replaced by Tim Boyle, who clearly didn't fare much better after spending the past few weeks backing Wilson. Sala said he was going to watch the tape before making a decision at some point today. Week 11 wraps up tonight with a Super Bowl 57 rematch between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Kickoff is set for 8.15 p.m. in Kansas City, and the Chiefs head in as two-and-a-half-point favorites. On the hardwood, the Nets fell at home against the Philadelphia 76ers by a score of 121-99. to Good for their second straight loss, and one that halts a three-game home win streak. Tonight in Minnesota, the Knicks are back on the court as they get set to face the Timberwolves. Tip-off there is scheduled for 8 p.m. No ice hockey action to get to from yesterday, but the Rangers will lace them up tonight in Dallas against the Stars. Puck drop for the Hockey Blue Shirts is scheduled for 8 p.m. tonight. You know the Rangers are 10-0-1 in their last 11. They beat the Devils on the road on Saturday. 10-0-1. Juggernaut. Yeah, I mean, right now they're the, I mean, they're them and the Bruins, of course, but yeah. they're the best team in hockey. I, well, yeah. Panarin's got 10 goals yeah. already? Cut his hair. What the hell's going on? I don't know. I don't really know. It's very on. exciting. And the Knickerbockers, they've won like six out of seven. I mean, they're the best team in the league. Right now, the winter sports at Madison Square Garden it was the same thing last year. That's the place to be. Yeah. Jets and Giants suck. They've sucked for years. Right. Mets and Yankees are colossal disappointments. That's been the case for years. Yes. The Rangers and the Knicks. Right. Jimmy Dolan. And absolutely nothing happens at the Barclays Center. You know, I'm actually going on, uh, we got two Knicks games in one week. Gabe is so excited. My buddy Anthony Carone taking us to see the Knicks and the Nets oh, at Barclay. That'll be fun. December 20th. And then five days later, Christmas Day, Madison Square Garden, Knicks and Bucks. Oh, wow. That's yeah, an even so better game. Two Knicks games in five days for the great, the, uh, the great Gabriel Rosenberg. Well, that's something to look forward to. Am I? <laughs> Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTakeless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. We mentioned the drop in that approval rating in the connection to the Middle East, and here it is. On foreign policy, 33% approve of Joe Biden's job performance. Just in September, we asked the same question, and it was 41.53. These numbers surprised our own pollsters, Steve, with one saying he cannot remember a time when a foreign entanglement that didn't involve U.S. troops had the capacity to transform the electorate. And that's not the case in this poll. No, and it, go even a step further on this one. I think this jumps out at you, too. Overall, this is the handling of the Israel-Hamas war. And again, it kind
kind of measures overall uh, up with Biden's foreign policy approval. But look at this. Among the oldest group of voters, 65 plus, there's a majority who approve of how Biden is handling this. That's plus 12. Look at the youngest group of voters. 20 approve, 70 percent disapprove. He is 50 points underwater with the youngest group of voters. That is a 62-point net swing between youngest and oldest on this topic of Israel Hamas. And it's a critical group of voters that he needs in order to win re-election, that's for sure. Another legendary birthday today. We played the long run by the Eagles to start today's show. Joe Walsh right here. One of my favorite songs ever. Sweet Melissa, the Allman Brothers. And one of those guys celebrating a birthday. They know Greg's dead a long time. I still love Greg Allman. You know, he used to bang Cher before the Bagel Boy, I guess. I don't know. Which uh, which Allman <laughs> brother is celebrating a birthday today? His uh, His brother. Dwayne. Dwayne Allman, Dwayne Allman right. died very young at 24. Oh, he's dead already, too. Yeah. yeah. So he how was, old would he be today? Uh, oh, he'd be 77. Yeah. He died at 24. The OD? He was killed in a motorcycle accident. Oh, my God. He he's, was killed. Yeah. Uh, and that song, Greg Allman played that at his funeral for his brother. He did? Yeah, because the, the, it was a song. I think they both went back and forth writing, and then they re-recorded it. After Greg, uh, Dwayne Allman was killed, I think, on another album. The oh. one, I think that's the version. It's a great song. It's a, and then a year after Dwayne Allman was killed in a motorcycle accident, the bass player was killed in a motorcycle accident three blocks from where Dwayne Allman was killed. There's a moral here, you know. Yeah, there's something. <laughs> I mean, stay off a damn motorcycle. No motorcycles. <laughs> and they both hit, I think they both hit vehicles. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they went, and yes, it was, uh, he hit a bus, I think, Dwayne Allman. Oh, my Allman. God. Well, I hate motorcycles anyway. I oh, hate people that ride motorcycles. Flatbed truck, that's what it was. Oh, yeah, that'll Forget. kill you every time. That's yeah. <laughs> a lot different. I mean, there's nothing Ooh. cool about riding a motorcycle. You're just upping your chances of dying, that's all. Well, some women really love it. That's yeah, all. some women. Some toothless, you know, meth-addicted. What women love that? I mean, give me a... I know Chuck Zito's going to kick my ass when he hears me say this, but the uh, groupies that, uh, that uh, love the bikers... Not exactly Pam Anderson in her prime, if you know what I'm saying. Mm, okay. 
Oh, you disagree? Well, I just I think it's it's a different thing. It's not for me. Yeah, they're for sickos. Sure. Get out of crazy. here, man. They stupid. Yeah. The, whole, the whole lifestyle is stupid. Well, I'm sure Dwayne Drugs and... would agree with you right now. <laughs> well, I guess. <laughs> so you know that poll doesn't do Joe Biden any favors. And, yes, it took us 50 minutes, 50 minutes on this Monday morning. But it is time to do what we have to do, and that is wish the President of the United States... Joe Biden, a happy 81st birthday today. Joe Biden, actually 81 years old today. And the reason why I'm saying this is he doesn't know. Hopefully he's listening. Happy birthday, Joe. You're 81 today. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations, Jermaine. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Stay in a chair. This is a story coming out all morning long in all three networks that we've got on here in the studios, Fox News, MSNBC, and CNN are carrying it, and that is the Sheba Hospital, I think I pronounced that correctly, in Gaza. Now we've got video of the terrorists on October the 7th manhandling, physically manhandling some of the hostages as they dragged them down the hallways in the hospital there is one video of a guy on a stretcher. It looks like his arm was blown off. But it looks like we've got some um, some evidence, real evidence, pictures and video. They used that hospital to um, to keep the hostages there. Is that right? No. The Israelis have been saying this all along, that there were an uh, entire tunnel network that led underneath that hospital. And over the weekend, over the last couple of days, they've pulled out all the ammunition that was underneath there, the you know bullets, the guns. All kinds of stuff. So clearly it was being used as that. As a uh, terrorist haven, basically. Yeah, no right. two ways about it. Right. But we're the, the bad guys. You know, when, for example, I have these uh, videos up on my Instagram page. Once again, follow me at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. I put them up weeks ago. My friend Judah Honigman, he, uh, he got the soldiers to create these videos thanking me back in the United States for my unwavering Israel support. And every day on my page, I have a ton of Israel hate coming from pro-Palestinian supporters. Oh, way to go, guys. Way to support a bunch of soldiers killing babies. Really? You dumb effing bastards? That's what you did. That's what you did. You went into a very, very nice community on a quiet Saturday morning and cut babies' heads off and threw them in the oven. Yeah, some of your babies are dying. That's called war. You know why there's a war? Because you low-life scumbag started it. Yes, now some people are going to die. Oh, well, including babies. But don't call Israel baby killers. We didn't get up on a Saturday morning and decide to go into your neighborhood and kill you innocent people. Now you're going to die. That's how it works. And I'm sorry. I said this time and time again. It may sound insensitive. I just don't care. I honestly don't care. Sounds horrible, I know, but I don't care. Does it sound horrible, no? Well, I think a bigger concern, Sid, uh, is that if you look at these polling numbers over the last couple of days, there's been a huge shift in Israel support in the U.S. Uh, between uh, young people from 18 to 30. Eighty percent of those people polled say they're against the U.S. policy in Israel today. Eighty percent, just 20 percent favor what President Biden is doing in his support of Israel. Jeez. Well, we know that. Look at the college campuses, right? Yeah. So let me get to Saturday quickly before Dove Hyken joins us at 8.15. So we get up very early Saturday morning, Danielle and I, 
and we get all you know we get all dressed up and and all that, and we make our trip to Woodmere, Long Island. We actually went to Dove Hiking's house, met with his beautiful wife Shani. She's a lovely lady, and his son, and we walked over to Shul, and it was packed. I walk in, I see my friend Gene Stevens. I've been friendly with Gene as long as I've known Joe Tacopina, literally 46 years. And he's there praying at the very front door. I walk in, I see Dove. Um, I see some other people I recognize. Cindy Groves is there and some others. And I sit down and pray next to Dove and a gentleman, uh, Larry, sitting to my left. And the Rabbi Bloomstein gnome has this really great service. Bunch of little kids. They did split up the men and the women, because it's an orthodox shul. So eventually the rabbi makes his sermon, and I would say about 70% of his Shabbos Saturday morning sermon is throwing adulation, superlatives, and thanks to me. Wow. Exactly. Wow. I sat there, you know, I, I cry over everything anyway, it doesn't matter. But I sat there and cried. I thought it was so beautiful that in front of a packed house, I mean, it was a large congregation, the rabbi took all that time to, when he spoke about anti-Semitism, of course, and all those things, but the overwhelming majority of the sermon was about me. Then he gave me, for the Jewish people, the ultimate honor which is reading from the Torah on Saturday morning, they called me up, Noam, for an aliyah. Do you remember how to do that, to read from the Torah? Well, Rook, I'm going to have Rock Leah Lombard. Wow, and of course you. I do. Oh, okay. In fact, Dove Hiking showed me a page with English, and I said, no, 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 I'm a yeshiva boy. And I did the whole thing in Hebrew, and Dove made the point at the Kiddush afterwards that he was blown away at just how good I was. <laughs> but I can read Hebrew very, very well. So I did my Aliyah, which was amazing. And then, as if that's not enough, the service ends, and they have a Kiddush. And they've got a ton of food. I mean, enough food to feed a 1,000 people. And they've got desserts, sodas, and wine. And everybody who came to shul stayed for the Kiddush. Dove Hyken spoke first. He actually made Danielle cry. Danielle's not a crier like I am. He made her cry. And then they got to me. And I spoke for about 10 minutes, maybe a little longer. And then when it was over, every single member of the congregation, every one of them, stopped by on the way out to say thank you, hug me, kiss me, to say goodbye to me and my wife. And a bunch of those people said, I'm going to be honest, I don't listen to radio. I've heard your name. I don't listen to radio. Starting Monday, I will never miss your show. Wow, that's great. How's that for a morning? That's amazing. As if that's not enough. Right, there's more? There's more. The shul ends, and it's a gorgeous day. It was supposed to rain on Saturday. But there's no way Hashem will let it rain on a Shabbos morning when I have to walk outside. So then we start this five- to seven-minute walk from the shul to Rabbi Bloomstein's house where his wife, Mimi, put together this, I mean, unbelievable lunch. Tons of food, from chillant to salmon to salads to tuna. You name it, it was packed, and it went on for hours. It was an unbelievably beautiful, beautiful time. But the conversation that took place there was, when are you going to Israel? I've never been to Israel. I'm embarrassed to say that as a man that's become the voice 
for all Jews everywhere, but I've never been. And they said, well, you should go. And I said, well, I want to go. I want to take the show there. I want to do Sid and Friends in the morning, the Sid Rosenberg show, really, from Jerusalem. I want to do it. Three days. And they said, what a great idea. And one by one, there was about 12 people at the lunch table. One by one, they started offering money to finance the trip. I swear to you. Come on. Swear to God. It's not a cheap trip. Well, and they talked about saying that the King David in Jerusalem, paying whatever it costs for the radio hookup. I have no idea what that is. Transportation. They were ready to pay. So then I get up Sunday morning after this fabulous, glorious day, and I put on my Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, and my Facebook, Sid Rosenberg, what do you guys think about the potential of doing shows in Israel? And I received private DMs, not just from Judah Honigman, whose parents I met at Shul, as well as Judge Proust and his wife, but strangers started DMing me saying, if you guys want to go, I'll send you a check. Do wow. you believe this? Wow, that's amazing. Unbelievable, right? I, you know, one way I'm not shocked, and I'll tell you why, because you're one of the few voices out there that's been pro-Israel. If you listen to anybody else, you're not getting this pro-Israel stand. No, I mean, they're pro-Israel, but they water it down. It's yeah. always, yeah, but I feel bad for the babies, the Palestinians. Right. F them. F them. This is all about Israel. You came. What you did to us was unforgivable, unimaginable, and now people are going to pay the price. And I don't want to hear about Palestine, which doesn't exist. You morons out there that are Palestine supporters, if you can show me on the map where Palestine is, I'll shut up. Can you uh, know I'm about to say? Uh, Show you where Palestine is? It'd be hard to find. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't exist, stupid. Not you, but... So anyway, this um, I actually called Chad yesterday. And I said, I'm going to talk to John, too, obviously. As long as the station doesn't have to foot the bill, they're not going to be able to stop me, nor would they want to stop me. They're also very pro-Israel here. That's why I love John, Margot, Chad. Chad loved the idea. So now it's just a matter of getting our ducks in order, really finding out exactly what we have to do. There's a lot of logistics involved, but it is fair to assume that early January or February 2024, we will do this show from Jerusalem. And then they'll kill me, and that'll be it. <laughs> that's a good way to go out. I mean, oh, I think. Let me tell you something. That's those worst if that's ways. the way it ends, that's the worst ways. I mean, you're not going to much OD, worse ways. No ODing, and you're going out in a blaze of glory. I'd much rather die that way sure. than die on the subway because we're down to twenty eight thousand cops. You know what I'm saying? No. I hear you. That's inevitable anyway, yeah. so you might as well go over there. Right. So if, uh, if you're all interested in financing this trip to Jerusalem, feel free to uh, DM me or send a message to the station because on a serious note, I really want to make this happen. I want to take my son to Israel. I want to take my wife to Israel. I think the show would um, would be great live from Israel for a couple of days, and that would kind of be the cherry on the cake, if you will, from what's been two months of fervent and enthusiastic support for the folks in Israel, Jewish people and non-Jews supporting Israel all across our wonderful country. That wraps up our number one big seven o'clock hour about to come your way. Curtis Sliwa and Andrew Giuliani. And don't forget, we're off on Thursday. 
Bill O'Reilly stopping by today at 8.40. Our number two, sitting friends in the morning, coming back. Out the door. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Sid Rosenberg is a WABC New York radio host, and he joins us now. Sid, thanks for being here. The impact, it's anyone who walks the streets of New York or rides the subways has already seen the quality of life impact. And apparently when it comes to the city's ability to improve that quality of life, you're about to see it get worse. Yeah, you are. You know, look, Will, first of all, good to see you again, pal. But I'm wearing a shirt tonight that says New York stands with Israel. And it's important because it pertains to this story. New York stands with the cops. Eric Adams, nothing personal. I actually like Eric Adams. We've dined together. We've had a nice little friendship. But the truth is, as he calls for more money and complains about the crisis, Will, he caused it. A year ago, he was standing at the front of the bus line saying, welcome to New York. We're a sanctuary city. Come one, come all. You can't call yourself a sanctuary city and then a year later complain we've got too many migrants. It's the same thing with Joe Biden. He's there for Israel, except he's in bed with Iran. All these guys do the same thing. They end up, they start off, I should say, doing the wrong thing. And when it gets real hot and heavy, Will, then they complain, I need more money. This city right now has a crisis of crime like it's never seen. We've got criminals. Then we've got migrants, illegals Mm -hmm. that do commit crimes. And then we've got the real threat, Will, of terrorism. You combine those three things, this city needs 40,000 cops, maybe 45,000, not 28,000. So, Eric Adams, it's nice you care now, but where were you a year ago? nights ago, Friday night, Fox News, Jesse Waters, primetime. Jesse was in Nashville, Tennessee. The very smart, very smart and talented Will Kane filled in. And those are my comments on Eric Adams. I was kind of kidding last segment about folks DMing me. And uh, if you want to 
help finance our trip to Israel. <laughs> like three or four people have already DM'd me. Of course, I'm only kidding. That's not your responsibility. It's very nice that you folks uh, want to do that. And once again, I was honored and um, emotional when a bunch of folks in Shul on Saturday offered the same. And we will get this trip done. We will get it done. I was only kidding, but thank you uh, very much for all you folks out there that uh, do want to help. But going back to uh, what I said on Friday night, I I know I said this earlier, but it's hard to believe that in one week, in one week, there were two people that I'll admit on radio I actually agreed with. Bernie Sanders, commie, maybe worse than Ron Kuby, it's a toss-up, who actually broke up a fight in the House between Republicans, and believe it or not, the second person, Cardi B. I can't stand Cardi B. To me, she's everything wrong with what's going on in society today. Our kids, all of it, I'm no angel, folks. You know I'm not, okay? But Cardi B is filthy. She's gross. But I hate to say it, she nailed Eric Adams to the wall this weekend. We'll play that. Then we'll get to Curtis Sliwa. Here is Cardi B on the state of this city. I agree with her 100%, believe it or not. Cut number 12. I need y'all to spread this video. I need y'all to spread this video. And if something happens to me, it's because I'm speaking truth. So God forbid something happens to me or my family or something. is because it's after me because I'm speaking the truth. And here's the truth, right? In New York, there is a $120 million budget cut. There's a $120 million budget cut in New York that is going to affect schools, public libraries, and um, the police department. Y'all know I'm going to about the cops, but, like, it is what it is. There's going to be an $120 million budget cut with schools, with libraries, and the cops, and the police department. And a $5 million budget cut in sanitation. Of A budget cut in sanitation. Bitch, we're going to be drowning with rats. We're going to be drowning in rats. So we are going to be having a budget cut on Mind you, this is why I said, I'm not, this is why I'm telling y'all, I'm not this year. Don't ask me. I don't give a the resume that they sent. I don't give a I'm not endorsing no presidents no more. Because how is that a $100 million budget cut in New York City for, for um schools, library, uh police safety and sanitation yeah joe biden's talking about like yeah we could fund two wars we could fund two wars Mother talking about we don't got it but we got it like we're the greatest nation no the f- we're not we're going through some f- right now like say it say it we're really going through uh, we, we, we really 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 are f- right now i mean look she's a moron She's nowhere near Meet the Press. She's not going to be a panelist on Meet the Press next week. She can barely speak a couple of words in there like libraries and truth. But uh, her statement was actually right in that as a city, as a country, it's a mess. Curtis Sliwa is my right-hand man, noon to one every weekday. That's a big show with big ratings, hosts overnights all weekend long, and he's the only guest I've got that's on five days a week because he's great. And I'm going to tell you this too, Curtis. All the folks who want me to go to Israel coming up, a lot of them said, uh, take Curtis, take Curtis. So before you get to the Eric Adams commentary and Cardi B, I know you want to talk about Israel. Let me talk uh, to you, Sid, because uh, you're like a born-again Jew now. 
calm get down, you. Calm down. I'm not. I'm not going to become religious. I'm no, not, no, no. Uh, calm down. Didn't say that, but uh, I guess you've given up your bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches. Not right? even close. Okay. I had a BLT. Uh, actually, had bacon on with my eggs this morning. So uh, let me take you on the courtesy with who I've been to Israel three times. Uh, you got to go to the West Bank. You got to go to the settlements. You got to do your broadcast from Hebron. Hebron. That's right, where the patriarch is buried, Abraham. It is one of the scariest places on earth because all the Palestinians look at you. I fornicate <laughs> you, mad dog, you. Yeah. Then I take it to Nablus and Ariel with all the Russians. I know more about the Jewish faith than those Russians. Efrat, Faretzion, Gushetzion. Come on. That's where you want to do the broadcast from. No, I don't. With I all the settlers it. who are from Ocean Parkway, I don't right? Want that. I want to do it from the pool at the King David. No, 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 no. no. Come on. Come on. That's hey, look, First off, you explain what happened from Friday night to Saturday. So you get out to five towns, and actually you drove. You didn't walk, right? So, no, we drove, but we did walk from Dove Hikins' house to the shul. They don't drive. They're, they're, they're Orthodox Jews. We are not. I don't claim I, I to I be understand. one. I understand. But yeah. you, you took a picture in the shul. With no, Dove. it was outside the shul Please, before it, he died. It's, it's Sabbath. <laughs> You don't do that. It was outside the shul it before the services. It doesn't took a picture. I know, I know. Oh, I know. Hashem, oh, my God. And then. I you... broke out my cell phone. I told you during lunch to check the score of the Michigan no, game. No, no, you didn't. They looked at me like I was Hamas. No, 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 you didn't. <laughs> uh, even though they beat Boomer Esiason's team right Maryland. Yes, very good. The crab cakes. Uh, you were looking at video, some of which were Jewish students at University of Michigan uh, with the. Uh, Kafia on screaming pigs, pigs, pigs to the that. cops. Michigan, I saw that. Who were who were told by the administration there to leave the campus, leave the campus, not protect the Jews, as the Palestinian supporters there, which there are many, were screaming invectives at the cops. Screaming. That's the eighty percent that Noam was referring yeah, to. Eighty yeah. percent of young people opposed to the Israelis in this war. And supporting Hamas. Now, you may see where they really don't know what they're doing. Beware. Because at the end of Cardi B's rant, what did she say? Why are we giving money uh, to those wars? She meant the Jew president in Ukraine and the Jews in Israel. Watch how that's going to blow back. Watch when all these cuts come into effect, how the anti-Semites will emerge. They always do. Oh, because we're giving all the money to the Jews, the Jew president in Ukraine, Zelensky, and the Jews in Israel. Watch. That whole rap community will turn. Will I, turn. I agree with you, but, but again, a lot of these kids, whether it's NYU, Michigan, Columbia, some of our finest universities, and Michigan is certainly one of those, they're the same kids that are praising bin Laden's letter to America on TikTok they're the same kids that crowded our streets across the United States after the George Floyd death, marching in those BLM parades. A lot of these folks. I mean, you've got the Dallas Mavericks, for example, played a basketball game on Saturday night. You may remember the Nets had the three big superstars, and one of those guys was Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is garbage. He is a garbage human being. He made all those anti-Semitic remarks here, and eventually mm. the Nets got mm. rid of him. So he sat there Saturday mm. night after mm. the Mavericks game. Mm. What do you call that checkered, ridiculous scarf these mm. people wear? What do you call kafia, that? Kafia. He actually sat there wearing a kafia no, no, wait, wait, after the Mavericks hold basketball on. game. So you blame him for being who he is, a Jew hater and a white hater. And yet who snatched him up from the Nets 
who wouldn't exist without Jews in the stands. Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban, a Jew what from Pittsburgh. Right. He's, he was just on Instagram last week yelling and screaming about Hamas. Right. So he brings the anti-Semite to his team thinking, oh, it'll get me an NBA championship. This guy is a distraction, is a problem in the locker room and on the hardwood. And there he is sitting with the kafir. You know, the Mavericks deserve everything they get. And by the way, this is a generation. Uh, let me sort of uh, immediately go onto the gridiron. But Zach Wilson falls down, running out on the field in the second quarter. Joe Nolan falls down, and Tommy DeVito is getting ready as Mommy makes his bed and cooks some chicken cutlets to get killed by the Washington Redskins. <laughs> That's right, I said the Washington Redskins. This is what this generation is. In the meantime, you're sneaking pictures of the University of Michigan, which is an absolute disgrace. I hope Ohio State Saturday crushes them. So do I. Because they support Hamas. Yeah, I haven't heard uh, the Buckeyes or anybody in Columbus doing that. But, of course, Michigan is a uh, huge Muslim state. Dearborn, Michigan is basically Baghdad before we took out uh, Saddam Hussein. So I'm with you. Uh, no Jim Harbaugh. He was suspended for three games. That's a huge game in all seriousness coming up on Saturday if you're a college football fan but uh you're right man you know i I put up a post uh last saturday curtis most saturday mornings when i'm not going to shul with the whole viking i stay i get up i make a cup of coffee with danielle and i watch a show called espn game day yes and what that is 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 you've got kirk herb street lee corso desmond howard i forget who uh, the espn guy is he's a good-looking guy whoever and um, and then they bring in like a celebrity picker, The Rock or Vince Vaughn or Namath, and they go to the big game of the week in college football. They do the show live that morning on campus, and it's a real you know hoorah show. You know, nine yeah, they will be kids. wearing kafias. You, a University of Michigan, will be wearing kafias. They haven't done that. ESPN will never allow that. But now that you said that, I posted a couple of weeks ago. I can't help but think the same kids that will be there on Saturday morning for ESPN game day for Michigan-Ohio State are the same kids that five hours later will show up at one of those rallies, and therefore I can no longer watch Thank ESPN you. Thank game you. Day. By the way, you mentioned that name. Slowly I turn step by step. Joe Willie Namath, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, who dissed and dismissed you a few weeks ago. Yes, he did. Here it is. He is involved, and it, it brings together the two schools we were involved with. Poly Prep, uh, I'll call it the um, school of the worst pedophile ever to exist in high school sports, and Brooklyn Prep, which produced George Paterno, Joe Paterno in the back uh, in the in the backfield, the Gold Dust Twins, who grew up right near you when you were on Quentin Road near Madison High School, Two of the greatest athletes in the history of Brooklyn Prep. And then John Dockery, the third greatest oh, athlete. I like him. Yeah. That was the trinity. When I went to Brooklyn Prep, you walked in, you genuflected Papa Joe, Joe Paterno, George Paterno, his brother. And then it was John Dockery. All of them are involved in this situation that goes back to a poly prep, your high school coach, who couldn't keep his hands off of young guys. He was constantly pulling their chain and orally fixating them. Yeah, How the his, hell was he coached for so many years? Uh, I actually played for that guy. His name was Phil Foglietta. He's dead now. 
He wanted no part of me. I was a skinny Jewish asthmatic kid, weighed about 80 pounds, soaking wet. All my buddies on the team were these, uh, you know, already lifting weights and doing steroids, Italian kids, mobster kids. He loved them. He wanted no part of me, so I never experienced any of that. But I did play for that guy, Phil Foglietta. This name it story, uh, at least on paper, I haven't really dove into it too much. It's right out of, very it's ugly. right out of the Joe Paterno Sandusky situation. Uh, the young guy who is now in his 60s in Florida claiming that Joe Willie Namath, who was in partnership with John Dockery, who I loved. He used to be on Sports Extra with Bill Mazur. Remember Bill Mazur, Channel 5? Give me some trivia, and he'd knock it out of the park. We all loved John Dockery. He was the ultimate athlete, good talker, went to Harvard, got drafted. He, 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 by the way, he wasn't a pick. He walked onto the jet field, and he was playing defensive back. He's got the world championship ring of the 69 Jets. And this guy was involved in Namath. And apparently they knew what your coach was doing from Polly Prep, as he did at Polly Prep. And they turned a blind yeah, eye to yeah, it. Yeah. This well, is that, a double OD scratch. Oh, yeah. Right now, Peter King can't even get out of bed. <laughs> he can't even get out. Brooklyn, bro. oh, I graduated prep. Curtis got kicked yeah, out. Yeah. This is a reminder. This is haunting me. This is haunting Peter King and anyone who ever stepped into what was a great school, Brooklyn Prep, that is no longer open. The fact that you would have Joe Paterno and John Dockery involved in this kind of situation. Oh, my God. And all of it tied to your school, the House of Pedophilia, <laughs> with your high school football coach. That's true. No wonder uh, why Idala and Takapina didn't want to play football. Neither one did. I think Tak may have, but he wants to become a big-time hockey player. About three minutes to go, you yes. saw my appearance on Fox News. I know it was uh, the type of appearance that would have you masturbating, Curtis. Yes. Because I uh, nailed Derek Adams to the wall. But on a serious note, it's not about me. Uh, these budget cuts, yes. cop numbers may go down to 27,000 in a city where, again, as I mentioned on that show, between the illegals, everyday crime, and terrorists, you really have three different brands of horror waiting for us every day in this city. How can you possibly have less cops? Well... That's why there is that movement, I told you months ago, throughout Queens and Brooklyn signs that say, don't blame me, I voted for Sliwa. I told you all, oh, Curtis, oh, he's a good moderate, the face of the new Democratic Party. He was a cop for 22 years. Oh, Curtis, you're, you're, you're not ready for prime time. How could I have done any worse than this guy when Cardi B attacks him. Cardi B, the hip-hop princess. I thought he was the hip-hop man. And by the way, as much as you attack him, and rightfully so, on Jesse Waters on Friday night, uh, he was actually having an erection listening to you because at the same time you were disparaging him, he had launched his legal defense fund to keep him out of jail, and the first place he went to where else, of course, the Central Synagogue between 55th and Lexington because he wanted the Ashkenazi Jewish money. The guy who was in charge of his legal defense fund is the guy who used to own Luchows. I thought he was dead. And his last name is Ashkenazi. Eric Adams wants you to join him as you go from synagogue to synagogue. And he'll be giving the speech, I love Israel, I love Jews. Please write me out a check for my legal defense 
defense fund, $5,000. You can't do business with the city of New York. Here's my very dear friend who's criticized me, but he understood. I tried, and I love Israel, and I love Jews. Write me the checks because your checks don't bounce, Ashkenazis. Don't get sucking in. And here is all of a sudden a new King David who's going to submit himself for another brisk. That's right, Sid Rosenberg will be arm in arm with Eric Adams as they go from synagogue to synagogue collecting checks to put in the booster bag for the Eric Adams Legal Defense Fund. Maybe you can visit him in Otisville where if you go to the commissary, they have appropriate food for the Orthodox Jews who are in prison there, huh? Huh? Sid, what did I tell you about Eric Adams? What did I tell the rest of you? Now all of a sudden you're like, oh, I should have voted for you. I should have voted for you. Well, now you'll have to suffer. You will have to suffer because you didn't listen to Curtis Lewa with his boots in the ground. You'd rather listen to the man whose complexion is his protection, who hated Jews, who supported Farrakhan and the nation of Islam. And now Jews are like, how can we help you? You're a friend of Israel. Beware of all these young people. They're going to blame Israel and Zelensky in the Ukraine for all this money not being spent on us. It will create a new way of anti-Semitism. Remember, I'm always ahead of the curve. Listen to Curtis Lee today on the Rip and Read, and I'll be breaking more news about the swagger man with no plan. Eric Adams and red Chinese money. That's right, the first to talk about red Chinese money. Keep your suspicions. I've seen that look before. Oi. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Try to straighten these young guys out. Can we be Why do they have to be straightened out? Ah, uh, they're a little, they're a little off the wall. I mean, these young, beautiful girls are running them ragged. I mean, you see these young girls with these guys with their shirts hanging out. All let's get a little tradition going. Let's let's. When I grew up, you had to wear a jacket and you had to wear a suit. Go out, play in the club. We worked. Everybody was dressed. It looked nice. They took care of themselves. Today, the kids are a little wacky. I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care And though my pocket may be empty The late, great Frank Vincent. I used to love Frank. Frank used to um, live in Fort Lauderdale, and he would call my sports show down in Florida all the time. He loved me. Of course, you know him as Billy Bats in the movie Goodfellas. Phil Leotardo, he died a horrible death at the gas station in uh, The Sopranos. He was in a ton of mob stuff. He was in Casino and more, but he um, he loved me. And he would call my Florida show all the time, and he was just uh, that guy. You know, he had that look, and I don't know how old that uh, that Instagram piece was, but he's right, you know. Not only are these kids today stupid and anti-Semitic and anti-white and anti-anything they can get their hands on, but they look like crap. I mean, every guy looks the same. They dress for garbage. 
pants are too big, hat on backwards, don't shave, stupid facial hair, like Justin. Pants are hanging down. What do you mean? Yeah. They're not even on. They're not even on. The hair on the face looks stupid. It looks dirty. Their hair never looks washed. I just don't get it. But, um... And young girls, I guess, like it, I guess. I mean, somebody's having sex. But when I was growing up, uh, these guys would have no chance. I mean, no chance. But that's what we've become. We've just become a gross society. Not my kid. My kid uh, looks like a million bucks. And he takes after his father. When I go out, for example, on a Saturday night, I put a jacket on. I don't mean a members-only jacket, moron. I mean a sport jacket. You know? I don't walk out with uh, sweatpants and sweatshirts and unshaven and black uh, circles under my eyes because I was out the last three nights in a row. I mean, come on, man. The time when you see it is when you you would see it in, in a nice restaurant. Yeah. Oh, I see it all the time. All the time. All right? the time. And you ever see guys have a T-shirt with something stupid written on yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Or a baseball cap. Right. Enough with the baseball caps. Gotta stop seriously, with that. enough with the baseball Jeez, caps. You're in a nice steakhouse. Yeah, I mean, it's on backwards, and you know, it's just. How do they let them in? I, I don't know. And, you, I, and was, you say that people are still having sex, but they're really not. Like every study out there says that millennials have are having less sex than any generation. Is that true? Prior. Really? Yeah. Any no generation kidding. before that. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, there you have it. All right, we got a lot more great guests to come. Thank you, uh, Justin and Lewis. Curtis Sleeval was great. Still to come, Andrew Giuliani. Dove Hiken. What a day the Rosenbergs and Hikens had on Saturday. Bill O'Reilly, usually here on Thursdays. He'll be here this morning because don't forget, I'm off the next two Thursdays. In fact, I'm off the next two Thursdays and Fridays. Three-day work weeks for sitting friends in the morning this week and next week. Joe Borelli. I saw Joe Borelli at the Big Teddy Atlas dinner on Staten Island Thursday night. He'll join us at 9.15. And uh, a really, really smart money guy. He's been on everything from Fox Business to CNBC. Jason Trenner, he's got a big event at the New York Athletic Club, which I'll be hosting later on tonight. He will join us at 9.30. So a lot to do, but right before we talk to Andrew Giuliani. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? He's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
Springsteen, Rosalita, and this one goes out to the late First Lady, Rosalind Carter, who passed away yesterday at the age of 96. That's the third song Lou has played today. Tribute to Rosalind Carter. We played an Eagle song. Today's Joe Walsh's birthday. We played Sweet Melissa by the Allman Brothers. Dwayne Allman's birthday today, but this one goes out to Rosalind Carter. Today is the president's birthday. He's the oldest 81-year-old I've ever seen, ever. I know guys in my gym, I swear to God, I'm not lying to you. There's one guy, he's 86, he's a Vietnam vet, and he goes in there and he puts up a lot of weight, just as much as me. Five years older than Biden, acts 20 years younger. So today is Biden's birthday, he's 81, he's a mess. My next guest, of course, has a great podcast here at WABC, but had a great, great run for governor, came in second to Lee Zeldin in the Republican primary. And, of course, spent four years working for President Donald Trump in Washington, D.C. He's the son of the greatest mayor the city has ever seen. And on this station, 3 o'clock every weekday, Rudy Giuliani, he is my dear friend, Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, good morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, Sid, great to be with you. Happy Thanksgiving week to you and and all your fans out there. I hope you guys have a wonderful week with your families and and, uh, really uh, have an opportunity to really just uh, enjoy some time together and what's been a, a, another crazy, crazy year. And certainly uh, the last uh, six weeks for, for all those who are New Yorkers, for all those who believe in Western civilization, for all of those who either are Jewish or have Jewish friends. I hope we have a little bit of time over the next couple of days here to uh, really be able to enjoy the time with our families and with our loved ones, and yourself included, of course. Well, you said that perfectly, man. I mean, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday anyway, and, you know, some of my favorite loved ones are gone. My father, Danielle's grandmother, we called her Nana, and they're gone, and we used to celebrate these holidays with them. But whether I'm with a, a ton of family, which I will be this Thursday, I'll be with my niece Tamara and my brothers and sisters up in New City in Rockland County, or even alone the last couple of years with just Danielle and Gabriel since Ava went to college. I love this holiday. And I do do exactly what you do, what you just talked about, Andrew, which is I sit down and I get real introspective. I am very thankful for the beautiful things in my life, and I've got many. And I really try to spend Thursday and Friday, because to me it's a two-day holiday, being thankful and, and, and gracious for all the beautiful things in our lives, because as we sit down and have turkey on Thursday night, there's still a bunch of hostages in a lonely, dark tunnel somewhere in Gaza who have no idea whether they'll be around for Thanksgiving next year or not. Just to put everything in its proper perspective, that's the difference between those people, Andrew, and us. Oh, 100%. And any of those who you know try to make the distinction between let's say, anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism, I can tell you there's a distinction that really does not exist in any kind of way. If anything, anti-Zionism was created by anti-Semites. In many ways, socialists, if you can go back and look at the history, the beginning of socialists, those people that created socialism, the ideas, were, I mean, terrible anti-Semites because they knew one of the things they had to do was obviously exterminate religion, get religion out of there. And one of the things they needed to do was make sure that you had as few Jews as possible practicing their religion, because they were such a great example of how a community can come together on a religion there. And uh, I can just tell you, let's put it this way. Under Sharia law, you're not going to have a uh, budding LGBTQ scene. So for all those protesters (laughs) that want to go out there and say, I saw a sign the other day, uh, 
LGBTQ for Palestine. I said, well, why don't we go to Gaza and see how that sign's going to play yeah, out? Uh, maybe, go, maybe go to the yeah, exactly. Go to the commander on the ground uh, in Gaza of Hamas and say, hey, you know, where's the LGBTQ scene here? Is there a good bar that I can go and you know, meet some <laughs> like-minded friends or anything like that? I- I'm sure that'll be a quick-lived life. They're just uh, ignorant people. You know, they're, they're a little less dangerous than the folks that actually do hate, uh, but but still dangerous nevertheless because they are so stupid uh, and ignorant. So I just saw a poll moments ago on MSNBC. I, I ask. Uh, Justin, to shut it off. But Justin does so much work every morning in all seriousness. He's a great producer. I'm not mad at him. But I do ask him to shut it off because I despise Joe, Mika, Sharpton, Weiss, uh, the, all of them. The, the guys, they're all disgusting. But the poll showed an NBC poll. Now, you know NBC polls skew Democrat. Not even close. The latest NBC poll, Donald Trump, 46%. Joe Biden, 44%. Yet, yet, Andrew. Every person that hates Trump, including Republicans, who's having this love affair with Nikki Haley, feels the need to tell me time and time again how Haley can beat Biden. Let me ask you something. Who cares whether Haley can beat Biden? You know why? You don't get to Biden unless you beat Trump. It's kind of like, hey, that team can win the Super Bowl. You've got to win the NFC Championship game first, and she's got zero chance of beating Trump. I know she's got, she's got up a couple of points in Iowa, New Hampshire. She's still like 30 points behind. It's ridiculous yeah. to have these conversations. And Sid, let me, and I know I've talked to your listeners about this for the last year, but let me just remind listeners who Nikki Haley is. Nikki Haley is somebody who five weeks before the midterms in 2018 decided to leave the Trump administration. And the reason why she decided to do that at that time was because she wanted to be able to look Americans in the eyes if Trump was unpopular at the time and say, I left Trump at a time that it was unpopular to do that. But she also wanted wow, to Wow, by, by the way, that's, kind of, that, that's called a deserter and a traitor in my book. Exactly, 100%. And I'm going to tell you, she is somebody who does not have the principle to be able to lead the country at this important time. She will blow with the political winds. And, uh, and I got to tell you, when you look at all the candidates out there, and you know maybe Christie's the one that I would say, okay, you know I kind of put her in the same category as him, but she is by far at the bottom of my list because I really think she does not have the moral clarity to lead this country at this time. I have been very anti-Haley since then, and I got to tell you, I stand anti-Nikki Haley. I don't think she. I would not want her anywhere near. Well, the good news is you don't have to worry about it because, again, I I mean, serious. I mean, it would be like saying, you know, the the 49ers had the best chance of beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl after they lose to the Eagles. I mean, you got to beat Trump first, and she's so far behind. I don't know what polls these people are looking at. Well, she's up two points in New Hampshire, and she's up two points in Iowa. So what? I mean, this thing is over. The only way I would correct you there is Nikki Haley seems to be performing a comparison uh, to the Eagles like, uh, let's say, the Giants are, basically. So, uh, sadly, as much as you and I love the Giants, uh, we're not going to be playing past about uh, the first week of January this year. So So you were at uh, Mar-a-Lago just last week when you called in. You played uh, golf again with President Trump. You sent me a nice video of his T-swing, I think, on uh, 11, and he looked like a million bucks, like a young Rory McIlroy out there. Uh, Biden is 81 today. He seems like he's 150. Trump is 77. He seems like he's 30 years old, this guy. So tell me what uh, what he's doing, gearing up for, uh, believe it or not, these primaries are right around the corner. 
Yeah, well, I'll actually be with the president here just in, a, in about an hour or so again. So I'll make sure, obviously, he's always asking how my, my guy Sid is doing. So I'll make sure, obviously, I send him your best. And you're not just saying that to be nice to me. And if I'm correct, and if I'm incorrect, correct me. But doesn't he always say it this way? How's my number one Sid doing? Yeah, he does. He says, <laughs> how's my number one Sid or how's my guy Sid? Yeah, That's what yeah, he'll say. Yeah. He'll say my guy, which is great. For him, like, you know, my guy is, is uh, you know, I've been called many things by him, some good, some bad. Whenever I get my guy, I know I'm, I know I'm in the circle. Oh, wait, wait, so, so, wait so, 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 so you're in Mar-a-Lago right now? Uh, I'm, I'm down in Florida. I'll be flying back later this afternoon. I came back over here uh, on Thursday, and uh, it's been great. We've been able to spend a lot of time together. I, I love the fact. Uh, that his focus is starting to become on these states that I think are so important, the Pennsylvanias, the Arizonas, the Michigans, the Wisconsins, uh, the Georgias, the places where, you know, we had questions in 2020, and I think rightfully so. Uh, and I think he's now starting to develop a strategy uh, that is going to have to work for not just Election Day, as he likes to say, but election season, because, you know, in all these states, you really need to go through the laws in each of these states and see, OK, well, where where is early bar- ballot harvesting? Where ultimately can you go uh, and look at where where have mailboxes been institutionalized, basically? And considering whatever the early state strategies, I should say, whatever the, the laws in these states are, you need to figure out a plan of attack in order to make sure that you can limit what's going to end up happening, let's say, from the left in Philadelphia, which, by the way, long before 2020, there has been the talk of the Camden vote coming in in Philadelphia, obviously Camden being in New Jersey. So this is not something that President Trump created. This is just something that he wants to make sure that everybody's vote in 2024 counts the same as their fellow Americans. And we don't have uh, you know, we don't have questions like we might have had in 2020. So on the way out, you started off this conversation, and uh, you're great as always. I love your spots on this show. Talking about oh, Thanksgiving thanks. coming up. You're welcome. Um, on Thursday, you'll be with the president, President Trump, that is, later on today, flying back here later on tonight. What does Thursday look like? Again, for me, I'll go to New City Thursday morning. My niece Tamara, I see my brother-in-laws, my sisters, my nephews, my nieces. Probably go to David's Bagels, catch some of that uh, Green Bay-Detroit game right off the bat. Maybe even throw football around with my nephews later on in the afternoon before the big dinner, which will probably take place around uh, that second game, I would think, right before the uh, Niners and Seahawks during Washington and Dallas. And then uh, some good desserts and a trip back home probably about 8, 9 o'clock Thursday night. What does the Giuliani Thanksgiving look like? Well, just from saying that, Sid, I think I got some tryptophan that just went in my uh, – <laughs> just from you saying that right there. I'm ready to take a nap, and it's, uh, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning at this point. Yeah. Uh, we actually, for the first time, have decided to host at the Giuliani place. I've got to, you know, thank my wife, Seville, who's going to be doing the brunt of the hard work. I'll be going out, I'm sure, last minute to Whole Foods here, getting this ingredient, getting that ingredient. But the cool thing, we kind of figured this. we got about a dozen people coming over. And obviously we have about five or six that are from New York. But then we have somebody from Italy. We have somebody from Lithuania. We have somebody from France. So we have kind of like a little bit of a United Nations yes. that's actually coming over. But it's not an anti-Semitic United <laughs> Nations. We all love Jews. We have a couple coming over as well, as a matter of fact. So that's the only difference between us and the actual United Nations is we're not anti-Semitic at the Giuliani house. But it's going to be great. We're going to have a combination 
of uh, our turkey, you know, your traditional American dishes. Our, our Italian friends, they're going to be bringing over a couple of Italian dishes as well. My wife is going to make her Lithuanian, what I call potato salad, which is spectacular. So, um, you know, the weight battle that I have continually going on where I seem to go between <laughs> obese and overweight, that's going to have to start again next week. No, that's not true. Is, is your dad going to be there, the great Rudy? <laughs> I'm going to see him earlier in the morning. I think he's going to be... He's got something he's going to be a little surprise on Thanksgiving, I think, for his not just his listeners on WABC, but the people that watch him in the evening. So he's going to be busy during Thanksgiving. He, he's just nonstop. You know, it really is true, Sid, and you, you were talking about this with President Trump. I mean, the two of them, it's amazing yeah. how they are just absolutely – I was just down – he was down in Florida with me for about three or four days, and it was great because he got to spend a ton of time with Grace, and I love seeing the two of them interact, and, and he absolutely loved it. He actually went on for about two hours about the family history. I was able to record a lot of that oh. for my daughter, which I'm so excited about to That's be able great. to really document that and put that together. But the thing that's amazing is, you know, Trump at 77, my father at 79 – they just seem to continually gain energy yep. on a daily basis. It's kind of amazing. I mean, yep. I, I feel like I'm not somebody who's short of energy. Sid, I know you certainly as somebody who wakes up at 3.30 in the morning with a rocket ship, you know, on, in your, <laughs> on your backside, basically, ready to roll. And, and th these guys, they're amazing. They're amazing. They really are. They really are. And look at Biden again celebrating his 81st birthday today. He could be 101. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, listen, another great spot. Uh, uh, enjoy the president later on today. Give him my best. Have a safe trip home. Happy and a healthy Thanksgiving, Andrew, to you and all the Giuliani's. I love you. We'll do this again next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. Happy Thanksgiving to you and all the WABC loyal, loving listeners. That's the man, Andrew Giuliani, usually on Fridays, but he'll be on early in the week the next two weeks because I'm not going to be on the next two Thursdays and Fridays. That wraps up the first two hours. Lots more to do. Dove Hyken, Bill O'Reilly, Joe Borelli, and Jason Trenner. All still to come. Second half of the Thanksgiving week Monday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning about to come your way. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Don't forget, folks, I'm out this Thursday and Friday and next Thursday and Friday. So Bill O'Reilly will be here coming up later on this morning at 840. That's a big, big deal. Siggy Flicker. Siggy going to come back tomorrow. She killed it last week. And then Wednesday, live in studio. This is very special. Coming up on the 915 or 930, Natalie Sanandaji happens to be a 28-year-old young lady who survived the music festival where 260 
people were murdered on October the 7th. She survived a beautiful girl. She's going to join us coming up in studio on Wednesday morning. But I told you already this morning, earlier, more than once, about the incredible day Danielle and I had Saturday in Vudmir with my dear friend, the great assemblyman for the better part of four decades in Borough Park, Brooklyn, the king of all Jews, Dove Hiking. Then here he is on this Monday morning, my dear friend Dove. Dove, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good, uh, Sid. Uh, everyone is still talking about this past Shabbos, this past Saturday. You being uh, here in the five towns, uh, I didn't realize you were such a superstar, uh, Sid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people were just like in love with you and appreciate everything that you do, and 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 it, it was just it was just amazing. You touched everyone's heart uh, that I could tell you, Sid. Uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Well, if you're saying it was amazing, you could just imagine how it was for uh, Danielle and I. And uh, you made Danielle cry during your speak at the Kadush, and then I had a chance to uh, speak as well. By the way, she loves Shani. I think you were surprised when I broke out my old Baruch Adonai Hamvarach, Leolamvar Ed, and read that Hebrew so fluently. But listen, uh, as I said during my little speech there that day, I'm not the most religious of Jews. I'm not. Uh, but I love my Judaism as much as anyone. And uh, I was a yeshiva boy for many, many, many years. My father was a conservative-slash-Orthodox Jew. Hopefully he's smiling from the heavens. And what happened on Saturday between the Shabbos service, having an aliyah, which was a very, very big deal, to you and I speaking at the Kiddush, to the beautiful lunch at Rabbi Bloomstein and Mimi's house, even my old friend Gene Stevens of 46 years being in attendance. It was just a perfect day, Dove. So we want to thank you, Danielle and I, from the bottom of our hearts. And look, I, I want to thank you again uh, for not just being someone who supports Israel and the Jewish people. You know, a lot of people do that. Uh, they go through the motions. Uh, they say what they need to say. Uh, they read from the script. You don't read from the script ever. It's your heart. It's your soul. It's who you are as a person. And you are clearly a proud American. You love this country. And you are a very, very proud Jew. And the courage that you display in standing up and speaking out, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you don't hold the punches. You say it as it is, as it needs to be said. Uh, and uh, like I said, you know, I, it, it was just an amazing day that we cannot stop talking about. And the people oh. in the community, I just yeah. got to tell you, way beyond uh, just our synagogue, it's like people want you back. They want to hear you. They, they, they want to take you to Israel. That's, that's what we're all talking <laughs> I mean, about. They, I know. That, you know, was... Sid has not been in Israel. How's that possible? So that's going to happen. No question about that. But, Sid, I, I love you. I adore you. And, by the way, as much as I love you, your wife is even more amazing. Uh, Danielle is a superstar. I think everyone saw that. Uh, you know, she's just a, a special, special woman, woman. And, look, now I understand who you are because, you know, uh, you guys are a team. There's no question about it. So thank you for giving us a day that we will never forget. Us, too. It was just uh, great. Even uh, Judge Proust was great to see him, too. He has since contacted me on Instagram and his lovely wife. So tell me, Dove, uh, you've been back a couple of weeks now from Israel. You're right. I've never been, but 
uh, all of a sudden I'm getting direct messages on Instagram and emails and text messages. I swear I'm not exaggerating from tons of people who want to finance. They literally want to finance the trip to send this show to Jerusalem and do it live for a couple of days. And I'm going to do it, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, mid-January or early February. My plan is to do these shows live from Israel, but a few of the people on Facebook and Instagram did, did express concern about safety. Now, I'm not worried about it. I'm going to go. I actually feel probably less safe on the streets of New York with all these cops going away than Jerusalem. But for the folks that are worried about safety, if we take this show there, are they, are their concerns legitimate or exaggerated? Uh, exaggerated, and there's absolutely nothing to be concerned about. I just want to mention that Shani and I are going back to Israel next week for one single purpose, and that is to be helpful. You know, it's about everybody doing their part. So we're going to be, you know, whether it's in hospitals uh, with the Army, you know, flipping burgers and, and whatever I can do, Shani and I, to make a difference, this is the time to, uh, you know, to answer the call of duty. Look, we have Israeli soldiers dying. I mean, beautiful, each one of them, absolutely beautiful, giving their life for the Jewish people, not just for the people of Israel, for the Jewish people and for the world in defeating this monstrous, barbaric organization. Uh, so there is absolutely nothing to be concerned about. We're going back. Can't wait to be there with you, no question about it. Nothing to be worried about. And uh, uh, so, you know, we're going to plan that trip, make it happen. And I, I can't wait, Sid, uh, to take you to, and show you the beauty of the state of Israel and the people of Israel. You cannot imagine, you know, sometimes you read the headlines, war, terrorism, but let me tell you what's happening in the state of Israel, the growth, the beauty. Uh, you know, I just can't wait to, you know, I'm going to enjoy every moment watching your face say, wow, unbelievable. Well, I'm looking so forward that to it. going to happen, Sid, no question, soon. I, I think it is, too, and very soon. And I look forward to that day when you and Shani and, and me and my son Gabriel and Danielle, we, we've always talked about going to the Wailing Wall and davening there. Of course, he'd never done that. I never did that with my dad. God rest his soul, miss him every day. Never did it. And there's a lot of spots, of course, we're going to want to see depending on how long we're there and how many shows we actually do. But certainly the Wailing Wall has come up in conversation. And I know at lunch, for example, on Saturday between the Rabbi Bloomstein and Mimi and you and your wife and all the folks at the table, a lot of discussion about a lot of places in Israel we'd have to go take a look at in the short time that we're there. Yes? There is no question about it. Uh, there's no way you're going without seeing what you need to see. Uh, you know, from one end of Israel, north, south, east, west, it is just an amazing country. In spite of the challenges and the difficulties, that country is growing unbelievably. So I can't wait for you to be there and, and enjoy every very, you know, every single moment. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait to get off the plane and you see what that looks like. And you say, this is Israel. Uh, amazing, amazing place, uh, uh, Sid. Uh, and again, what can I say? Uh, you, uh, you and I know each other, but uh, you came out here. Uh, people just wanted to touch you. Uh, I can only tell you that I have never gotten so many messages uh, on my phone from people all over the community, from people that were there that were touched by what you said and the way you spoke and what you do every single day. You are a man of courage, and there's something else that's important. 
It's about leadership. It's about being a leader, and that's exactly. You demonstrate to others the difference that one individual can make for the cause. And that's what and let me tell you, your father watched every single moment and he had such nachas, which is pleasure, no question about it. Everything he felt he enjoyed watching his son in synagogue. You know, you went up to the Torah to make the blessing. I thought I was gonna have to you know, I was right next to you because I had the one right before. I said I'm going to, you know, let me be there to make sure, you know, I can help you if I need to. Forget it. You did it better than I did. No, I can still uh, do my thing. I went to uh, not one but two yeshivas, Ocean Primary uh, Elementary School in Canarsie, and then Solomon Schechter High School on Church Avenue in East Fifth in Brooklyn. So I am I am well-educated and well-versed. I don't speak it fluently, obviously, Hebrew, but I can certainly read it. And I was touched, too, by the amount of folks who said, I don't even live here. I live in Cedarhurst. I live in Lawrence. I live in, you know, these other towns that made their way to your synagogue that Saturday morning. That was amazing. Standing room only, absolutely <laughs> packed. No question about it. I mean, uh, uh, we have to sort of in advance be careful not to overload <laughs> the place. But it was packed. Uh, there were not enough seats for people to actually sit down. And by the way, what do you say about Rabbi Bloomstein, my rabbi, and his and his missus, uh, you know, Mimi? They are absolutely amazing. I love them. I love them dearly. And my friend Gene Stevens, who, you know, we used to call him Gino. He grew up in Wabash and Coney Island. I didn't even know he was Jewish. I thought he was Italian. I swear to you, though, for like 30 years. And then uh, he married Susan, and, and he met Bloomstein. And the reason why Gino today is such an observant Jew, I mean, he's right there with you, is because of the rabbi and his wife. And he's told me that before. And meeting the rabbi on Saturday, I see why, man, what a special man, uh, Mimi, her mom. I love the fact that she has her, her father's jacket on the chair in the kitchen to pay respects to him. He just passed away. It's just a beautiful family. So in the final 60 seconds, Dove, tell me this. Today is Joe Biden's birthday. He turns uh, 81. He's got young kids across this country angry with him because he's too pro-Israel. Yet I can make a very good argument that he's complicit in this war because of all the funding and non-restrictions he's had with Iran over not one but two administrations. How do you feel about the U.S.'s role so far in this Israel-Hamas war? You know, I'm actually surprised that Biden has stood uh, strong with regard to a ceasefire. But uh, on the other hand, you are absolutely correct. The culprit in all of this, whether it's Hamas, Hezbollah, etc., etc., is Iran. And it is the Democrats, the Biden administration, the Obama-Biden administration that empowered them, that gave them tens of billions of dollars. Look at the structures underground that the Israelis are uncovering in Gaza. Those things cost billions of dollars. Guess where the money came from? It came as a result of Obama-Biden giving the money to Iran, thinking that you could deal with Iran, you could trust Iran. How foolish and stupid. Well said, and that's why no matter what Biden says, no matter what he says, and he said some very, very nice things, I know the truth. And the truth is, again, he's complicit because no matter what he says, 
he helped fund this attack. I love you. I love Shani. I love your son. I love Rabbi Bloomstein. I love Mimi. I love Saturday. I very much look forward to our next day together in Shul and our upcoming trip to Israel. I can't wait. Dove Hyken, thank you so much. Thank you for being who you are, Sid. We love you. I love you, too. Dove Hyken, folks, that is a very special man. And what a beautiful family. My God. All of them, all the Hikens, very, very special people. We'll take a short break. Ricky Golds, a little football, and then the great one himself, Bill O'Reilly. Yes, I call him the great one, too. Mark Levin won't be mad, trust me. Ricky Gold, Bill O'Reilly, coming up. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I know I got a bad reputation, and it isn't just talk, talk, talk. If I could only give you everything you know I haven't got. Brady Johnson, great song here, Lou. So tonight is the Super Bowl of rematch of Super Bowl 57, the Eagles and the Chiefs. The Eagles have the best record in the NFL. They're 8-1 with a win, of course. They go to 9-1. If the Chiefs beat the Eagles tonight in Kansas City as favorite at home, there would be two teams tied with the best record in the NFL at 8-2. NFL, not just NFC. The Eagles and the Lions, believe it or not, who came back Trailing the Bears by 12 late yesterday to win by five going away. The last time the Lions were 8-2, and two, JFK was president of the United States. Little um, perspective for you. Juice Reel, J-U-I-C-E, Reel, R-E-E-L, is a place where I go to get my football analytics every weekend. My dear friend Ricky Gold back in studio. So I was on it yesterday. I'm looking up football, and I see this one guy. He's up like 300000 for the month. These are real figures. You can't make these things up. And he was talking about not football, but a college basketball game yesterday, San Diego State, Washington. So I just didn't play it, obviously. But I looked at it just to see if the guy was right, and he nailed it. So you've got some players on there, Ricky, that certainly know what they're doing. <laughs> it's great to be on, Sid. Uh, yeah, it's, this is, uh, I, I actually did the exact same thing. The feature is called Community Locks. Uh, I saw the guy at the top of the list up $320,000, and he had his money on the San Diego State over. Just uh, followed that along and, and took that. But, yeah, one thing that's, to your point, is really different than, you know, you see handicappers on Twitter or putting out ads in the paper saying 
they've won the last 40 games they bet on go buy my picks. What's different about uh, the community locks feature is when everybody's connecting in their betting accounts, their, their fan duels, their DraftKings, and all their bets automatically load into our app. These people aren't typing in their bets manually and faking it. These are real bets from real people. You know, uh, that that guy up $320,000, he could be a, an accountant in Virginia. <laughs> right. <laughs> probably is. <laughs> but that guy's nailing it right now. So probably had a good weekend, too. Let's get to the uh, four games coming up. Thanksgiving, three on Thanksgiving, and a Jet Dolphin game coming up on Friday. The 8-2 and two Lions, I just mentioned then, taking on Green Bay. Green Bay got a big win yesterday to improve to 4-6. and six. The Lions, the early game, 12-30 Thanksgiving Day, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Lions and Packers, who does Juice Reel? like looking forward to the thanksgiving slate a lot of people haven't made their thanksgiving bets so there's not a, a ton of data in the app yet for the thanksgiving game so i'll go with my gut which uh you know we'll see how that goes but i'll be going with uh the lions laying the points laying yeah, i the think points. so too they've been uh just playing great football under dan campbell second game the cowboys who blew out the carolina panthers yesterday to improve to seven and three taking on the commanders who got blown out by the Giants. That's all you need to know. Right now, Dallas, an 11-point favorite on Thursday. What does it tell you? I'm going with the Commanders. Uh, I think that they've uh, probably hit rock bottom, and Cowboys have hopefully hit the top. And wow. Maybe it'll level out. So you're taking commanders. the Commanders plus the points. Plus 11. Third and final game comes your way Sunday night. A lot of us will be done with dessert. 820 features Seattle, who suffered a tough loss on the road to the Rams yesterday. In fact, Geno Smith got hurt, came back, but they lose, taking on the Niners, who looked great. They get an easy win over Tampa Bay. Right now, the Niners, a touchdown favorite on the road at a tough place to play in Seattle Thursday night. What does it tell you? Think of the Niners, keep it up and stay rolling and, and lay the six and a half, seven. Brock Purdy looks great. McCaffrey's back and healthy. Debo Samuel as well. Finally, the game on Friday, the Dolphins now alone atop the AFC East at seven and three. At the Jets, we have no idea who's going to play quarterback. Zach Wilson should be benched, but for some reason, the Jets uh, don't do it. Right now, the Dolphins are a seven and a half point favorite. Whether it's Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle, does it really matter? You know, I think I'm, I don't think it really matters, but I think I'm going with the Jets regardless. Really, go Jets! I think uh, it's another time where it's it's looking like rock bottom. Uh, you know, seven and uh, seven and a half points is a fair amount of points. Uh, I like the Jets here. Uh, that game is three o'clock on Friday, so Ricky likes the Lions minus over Green Bay early Thursday. He's taking Washington plus the points in Dallas in the mid game. Late Sunday night, he likes the Niners as a heavy road favorite in Seattle. And he's telling you at 3 o'clock on Friday, take the home dog, the Jets, plus the points against Miami. That's right. I'm going to be waiting to see uh, as more people start betting on Thanksgiving how the I'm hoping the data goes with uh, what my gut's saying. So I feel a bit more confident. Which is Juice Real, which does a great job every day. Check it out. Download the app. It's free. And start booking winners today. As always, Ricky Gold, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. We'll see you again next week. Same to you and all your listeners. Ricky Gold, folks. Juice Real. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Was the best, or still is the best, always be the best, whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights on WABC or his own amazing website, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews, stories, 
TV show. Nobody does it better. His books, the Killing Series, Killing the Witches, now doing extremely well. He's usually on Thursday mornings, but we're out the next two Thursdays. He'll join me momentarily and again next Wednesday. Here he is, in my opinion, the best ever, Bill O'Reilly. Bill, happy Thanksgiving week, buddy. How are you? I'm confused. So I tune in WABC in the morning, as I usually do. Yeah. And all I hear this morning are people saying nice things about you. Unbelievable. You know, I'm not home. <laughs> well, I, I'm. I say well, now. What? What is this? Is this mass hysteria or what? Yeah, I, I mean, every oh, this, it, I mean, I thought the guy from Five Towns uh, was going to leave you in his will. I mean, it, it was, he may. He may. Yeah, I mean, it was. Oh, this is a I don't know. He's so many fans. And they go. Is this? Is this live or did you just pre-record this stuff? No, it's true. And that guy from the Five Towns uh, served almost forty years as a great assemblyman in Borough Park, Dove Hiking, who very recently, after his whole life, his whole life being a Democrat, switched to Republican, and he's kind of the face of the Jews. And I went to shul with him at his temple on Saturday in Woodmere, and it was a beautiful day, and he was uh, over the top with his kindness. But I do want to ask you about uh, another great man, JFK, because you're such a student of history, and no one knows more about this country's history than you. Nobody. So this Wednesday will be 60 years, 60 to the day JFK was assassinated. There are still a lot of folks who believe Lee Harvey Oswald didn't kill him. What does Bill O'Reilly think? Well, number one, people believe what they want to believe. Number two, people have made millions and millions of dollars by putting forth conspiracy theories. Keep that in mind, that you have never heard a conspiracy theory come from somebody who wasn't making money off it. Hmm. Very, very important to understand. So Martin Dugard and I wrote Killing Kennedy, the second killing book after Killing Lincoln. And we did as methodical a job as I think has been done investigating this situation because I actually covered it as a young reporter in Dallas, and I knew a lot about it. You were actually living there at the time, right? Yes, I was working for WFAA-TV as a local reporter. I'm going to tell you three things because you just can't, you can't hold it in your mind. It's just too many. There's Grassy Knoll. There's these people here. Then the Russians. Then the mob. I mean, you just go into an insane asylum if you're just going to, you know, incorporate all this stuff. But there are three keys. We were able to get the FBI reports taken on the scene. So it was a Dallas police investigation, a local investigation, because Dealey Plaza is in Dallas. The FBI came in within a day en masse. J. Edgar Hoover ordered the best agents to Dallas, where they set up shop and pretty much took the investigation away from the local police. Okay, They ran it. The FBI ran it. And we got the day-by-day reports. So three things. Number one, Lee Harvey Oswald ordered through the mail the rifle that killed JFK. It was sent to his home. He bought it. Number two, ballistics were done by the FBI. 
in Quantico, all right? And the bullets matched up to the Oswald weapon. There were no other bullets found. Now, I know Oliver Stone and these people going, oh, they took the bullets and threw them out the window. You know, okay. And then the third one is that if an outside party had been involved, say the CIA, say the Fidel Castro, say whatever, that would have come out somewhere down the line. Somebody dies, they leave something in a safe, they said, I did this, I did nothing. So no primary source material that there was a conspiracy. All right, so Oswald shot him. All the evidence says he did it. But here's the real kicker on it. Lee Harvey Oswald was a low-life drifter punk. But he was a marksman in the Marine Corps. He was perfectly capable of putting three slugs in that car. However, before the assassination, Oswald was beating up his wife in Dallas. All right, Marina, violent man killed a Dallas police officer, J.P. Tippett. So he was being babysat by a CIA operative named George the Morinshield. I broke this story, all right, while I was in Dallas. I chased George the Morinshield to Palm Beach, Florida, where he killed himself. Wow. Okay, all of that is in Killing Kennedy. If you really want to know the real story, to this day, I cannot find out why George the Morinshield, an aristocratic Russian, he was an American citizen, he was teaching at a place called Bishop College in Dallas, was hanging around with Lee Harvey Oswald. It makes no sense. There's only one person on earth who knows, and that is the Morinshield's daughter, who lives in Phoenix, Arizona. And every time I call her or show up at her house, she slams the door in my face. Wow. How old was she at the time when her father committed suicide? Teenager. So she would know. She wasn't too young. She, she would know. Yeah. Okay, about why this guy, DeMorin Shield, who's a shadowy guy way back. He wasn't a CIA agent. He was a contract player. He got paid for helping him. Why was he hanging around Lee Harvey Oswald? That is the big unanswered mm. question to this day. Now, it could have been he was surveilling him because Oswald went to Mexico City to try to get a visa to live in Cuba. The CIA knew that. Okay, they knew that he was a nefarious guy, was running around New Orleans. So they were watching him. And that might have been it. But for DeMorenshield to blow his brains out with a shotgun in Palm Beach, Florida, I mean, that's... You know, yeah. I mean, do, do we know that he definitely killed himself, or could yes. this be another Vincent Forster type of deal? No, no. Okay. I mean, when I showed up at the scene, the uh, local police was there. They had taped off the whole place, and I did talk to the cops. No this was extemporaneous, right on the scene. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And there was no doubt. He went upstairs. I get it. Uh, and boom. I got to tell you, folks, Wednesday, 60 years to the day Kennedy gets assassinated. And I don't make any money off this. I swear to God, I don't. But, uh, but my God, if you don't buy Killing Kennedy, then there's something wrong with you. Go out well, if you haven't read it and buy it. 
again, it goes all the way back to it always goes back to this. People believe what they want to believe. So this is exciting. Somebody did it. They got away with it. You know, uh, it was like everybody in the dark world didn't like Kennedy, JFK, because he was doing certain things. The mafia didn't like him. Castro, he was trying to kill Castro. So, of course, Castro didn't like him. Right. The Russians didn't like him. All right. Because and that culminated in the uh, missile uh, rundown. So he had an enormous amount of enemies. Joe DiMaggio didn't like him because he killed Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) (laughs) You know, here's one of the most unfair things I've ever seen. And this is in Killing Kennedy, too. There are uh, gossip that Robert Kennedy had an affair with Marilyn Monroe. We know John Kennedy did for sure. But there was gossip that Robert Kennedy did. Dugard and I traced every private jet flight into Van Nuys Airport north of L.A., where where the private planes land, okay, to see if – RFK had been around any time, months, before Marilyn Monroe uh, killed herself on the, on the drugs. Um, and, and the answer is no. And that flight would have existed because you, you can't just be an attorney general and fly across the country and be in Los Angeles without a record of it. Right, right. And so, you know, it, it pains me that Americans believe so much garbage but it's my job to straighten it out. Okay. Well, straighten uh, America out, uh, although I think America agrees on this one. A lot of people, including me, are very, very critical of her husband, especially when he was president. But I've heard nobody say anything negative about Rosalind Carter, who died yesterday at the age of 96. And now you know Jimmy is also in hospice. And they were married for 77 years. So this is a legitimate, true, beautiful love affair. And I can't imagine... He's going to last very long after she passed away, but she is gone. Everybody, including Melania Trump this morning, saying beautiful things about Rosalind Carter. What are your memories? A woman of great dignity. That's number one. And um, a old school. Both uh, she and Jimmy Carter were southern raised and bred. Manners impeccable. Uh, took marriage seriously. Very generous people. Now, Rosalind, and I didn't know them that well, but I knew him a little bit. I did not like him personally. He was arrogant. Or is he still alive? Very arrogant. Plus, he hated the Jews, just like Obama and but I, you know, I didn't get into that with him. But I mean, just on his personal uh, interactions <laughs> with people. Yeah. But Rosalind was so gracious to everybody. Now, behind the scenes, Rosalind Carter was a lot tougher than people think. Yeah. And Jimmy would pretty much toe the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know what's funny? Now that I think about it, I've never heard anybody. People are critical of Obama. Certainly, Biden, the worst president ever. Uh, Jimmy Carter. Uh, on the other side, they're probably critical of. I've never heard anybody badmouth a first lady, except for Melania Trump, because she unfortunately is, or fortunately, is married to Donald. Now, to a certain extent, Jill Biden gets it because we become so divided. But before 
Jill Biden and Melania Trump, no matter what the husbands did, I never heard a first lady really being criticized. Is that fair? Yeah, and there was no reason to. Um, Why is there reason at, uh, to the now? Ladies, um, is there reason the United... to now? How about Jill Biden? I, mean, I believe what she does every day is nothing short of spousal abuse. I think she loves power. I wouldn't go as far as you going. I think she doesn't want to give it up. <laughs> the only the only first lady that really was controversial within the White House in modern times was Nancy Reagan. Um, Nancy Reagan took it over after Ronald Reagan was shot and almost killed, and that's Killing Reagan, our book, Killing Reagan. You know, we have all 13 books bundled on BillOReilly.com for Christmas and Hanukkah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's what great. a great gift to somebody who really wants to know about their country. Yes. You know, you start with witches, killing the witches, because that takes you over to the Mayflower, and then you go all the way up. All right, to killing the legends, which is contemporary history. Um, you got all thirteen for an excellent price, um, and that's your library. Or you got thirteen separate gifts, and that's on BillOReilly.com. And I did that as a favor to people because there are a lot of people who want all thirteen in their library. But Nancy Reagan, I have a letter in my collection from Ronald Reagan screaming about how people are criticizing Nancy. But Nancy was very powerful. And and if you got on the wrong side of Nancy, you did not want to be there. <laughs> I'll tell you that. And Joe Biden, not as flamboyant. But let me tell you a word about Melania Trump. Amazingly gracious woman. Yeah. yeah. And I have known her for a while. And um, incredibly intelligent, you know, from and loves her country. She's from Slovenia which is just north of the Balkans and south of Austria, for those of you who don't have the uh, world map in front of you. (laughs) But this is a smart, smart woman. And um, when I spoke with her, I remember being on a Saturday Night Live after party when Trump hosted, which was probably the worst Saturday Night Live of all time. (laughs) It was terrible. But he invited me to the after party, and I showed up, and someday I got to write an article on it. It was hysterical. Well, I sat next to her, and, I mean, I was just amazed at her knowledge mm. of, of what was going on. Yeah. No, she's smart. So, you know, that brings us to the end of this conversation, which is this upcoming potential, if not probable, election, once again, between Trump and Biden, Trump surging. Biden celebrates a birthday today. Today, Joe Biden is 81. He's the oldest 81-year-old I've ever seen in my life. But regardless of that, NBC polls, which you know skew way to the left. NBC skews way to the left. Uh, the latest poll this morning, Trump 46, Biden 44. So on his birthday today, is it fair to say that polls like that are dire for Joe Biden? Not yet. Not yet. Um, I wrote a message of the day, again, BillOReilly.com is where we live, and I hope everybody visits, about the Joe Manchin situation. Now, if Manchin does run as a third-party guy, that's the end of Joe. That's it. He loses. And that's why you're not hearing much reporting about that, Um, because the press doesn't want Manchin in, because that just gives the election to Trump. Now, Biden himself, and happy birthday to Joe. I mean, I, I don't despise Joe Biden. I right. mean, and I respect the office of the president. Leave, leave that to me. 
Okay. <laughs> he is probably the most selfish president I have ever analyzed of all of them. He is so selfish, I can't believe it. He's got to know that, number one, he can't run the country. And number two, the damage he's doing, not only to America, but to his own party, is at this point incalculable. Now, he lives in a shadow world where Jill is telling him he's the greatest president of all time. I know that. But as you pointed out, when an NBC poll and all the others come out and say, look, yo, 77% of the American people think you're too old to do the job. 77%. Why don't you go out with a little dignity? No. Wow. There's no chance he'll do that, right? No chance. That is a chance because, they, look, the, the House investigations into Hunter Biden are very close. And one more big bomb on that, and I think Joe will have to go. Isn't it funny that if there's one more big bomb on the House investigations, Joe will have to go, yet uh, my friend and uh, certainly a guy that respects you has been through four indictments. He's been uh, yeah, but it's not the same, though. No, I know, I know. It's just, it's just funny when you think about it. But you're right, it's not the same. You're right. You're right. One uh, is directly impactful to his job, and quite frankly, the office, which is uh, Joe Biden. So, what does uh, what does Bill O'Reilly do Thursday? I know Spencer's not back home. So, is it a quiet Thanksgiving? Um, I'm going to terrorize everybody in my house on Thanksgiving by reading them aloud from Killing the Witches on the Mayflower right. Bridge right. from England to Cape Cod. I wish you were at my uh, Thanksgiving dinner. I'd love to hear that. I swear, no, I really would. Everybody, love, everybody thinks this is what I love about Americans. Everybody thinks the Mayflower was the love boat. The love boat is exciting. And no, no, it was torture. Torture. Yep. And, and so we go, Mayflower, give me the little hat, pass the stuffing. These people, these people were trapped yeah. under the deck with a five-foot ceiling for 66 days, and the oh. one guy who bolted out wound up in the ocean. Oh, my God. It's Stop. unbelievable. So I'm going to read aloud while they're eating their meat, and they're going to just go, you know what? I think I'm going to the diner. Let's get out of here. I'm trying to watch the Commanders and the Cowboys, damn it. Oh, the Commanders. What an awesome team, huh? Oh. I mean, for anybody to make Tommy DeVito look good, that's yeah, all you have to know. Give the kid some credit. I do. Come on. Oh, come on. He's a Three fine. TD throws. I know. Listen. I mean, the guy was playing at Don Bosco three months ago. <laughs> I, oh. I, I was so happy to see that. No, it was nice. There was something to be said for a kid who uh, his mother still makes his bed, makes some chicken yeah. cutlets. I love that stuff. Yeah, look at me. Who am I talking? Uh, you are brilliant. You're always great. Thank you for coming on on a Monday sure. on Thanksgiving week. And just have the happiest and healthiest holiday. And please, Bill. Be easy on your dinner party on Thursday night. <laughs> no, we'll have a few laughs. Thanks for having me in, Sid. Happy Thanksgiving to you and all WABC listeners. Bill O'Reilly, you're the best. God bless you. Talk to you soon. That's my man right there. I love him. Bill O'Reilly, usually on Thursdays. But my man, Bill, coming up big on a Monday morning. That wraps up hour number three. Joe Morelli, Jason Trenard, still to come. Happy Thanksgiving week. I'll be back after knowing with the news. Come on. Come on.
77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Rosalind Carter, who passed away, Gina Bina. We love Gina Bina. Social media department, she goes, love grows where my Rosenberg goes. <laughs> Gina, I love you. That's good stuff. Thank you. Of love course. grows. Rosalind Carter at 918 <laughs> on your Monday morning. I do love this song. I remember this was in the movie uh, Shallow Hal. I love that movie with Jack Black and Gwyneth Paltrow. Love grows when my Rosenberg goes. Even even a tribute to this woman who died. Right, right back. Her, it's about right, me. Right back. To you. <laughs> it's all about me. If that doesn't explain a lot. I got to tell you, Gina should put something up on the 77 WABC or the Sid and Friends site with that. It's brilliant. That is brilliant. Gina Bina. Not about Rosalind Carter. It's about Sid. Right. Maybe not today. (laughs) So Thursday night, uh, Danielle and I went out to uh, Staten Island for the annual Teddy Atlas, Theodore Atlas Foundation dinner. And it's always great every year. See a lot of my friends from the media there and celebrities, guys like Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman and Bob Papa and Brian Kenny. Usually Bill Sims is there, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, Tony Danza, Chuck Zito. List goes on and on. But the first person I saw in the crowd this year was the New York City Council Republican leader out of Staten Island, our good friend Joe Borelli. It was nice to see Joe. And I said, hey, Joe, to hop back on the program. I mean, there's just so much Frank Murano we can take. We need somebody else from Staten Island. Oh, Miranda Devine is coming on tomorrow, Justin, at 8.15. She's got a very, very scary column today. So here he is, New York City Council Republican leader, Joe Borelli. Joseph, good morning, bud. How are you? Sid, first of all, I've heard the exalted language that you use to describe your wife's charm and beauty on this radio program, but it was nice to finally... Uh, confirm for the audience uh, everything you say about her in person uh, in a nice conversation. She was absolutely charming, and I hope she enjoyed uh, the the evening out on Staten Island. She did. That's very nice of you to say, Joe. Thank you very much. She did, and she enjoyed talking to you. And why wouldn't she? You're a terrific guy. So let me start with this, and I mean that, before we get to the the stories at hand, because we're going to talk about Eric Adams. We're going to talk about these budget cuts. We're going to talk about the investigation. Right now is not exactly a great time for Eric. So can I get you right now, and I mean right now, Joe Borelli, to endorse Curtis Sliwa in the next mayoral election? Oh, I won't endorse anyone yet. Now, I'll I'll tell you why. He had a problem with what I was saying about how we shouldn't hope Eric Adams goes down uh, because it would trigger 90 days of Jumani Williams. 
and then a nonpartisan special election to fill the seat. A nonpartisan ranked choice election would almost guarantee that a progressive wins the race. So in other words, if someone comes out and supports uh, Jessica Ramos, their number two choice is going to be Brad Lander. There's no scenario where their number two choice is going to be Curtis Lewa. So to, to me, it's like it's not really a serious attempt at mayor if you don't want to be the Republican in a general election where you are the, the binary choice. It is either you, uh, in this case, Curtis, against someone who you're going to make the case out as saying uh, a bad mayor. Let me ask you this. So look, 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 you guys have had your back and forth, clearly. Uh, I don't think either one of you dislikes the other one. In fact, I think it's a complete opposite. I know you guys, in fact, broke bread at one of these rallies keeping the illegals out. I think you both actually do like each other. But certainly in public, you seem to have this ongoing back and forth. The one thing about Curtis, I'm going to tell you this, Joe, is that he's been right a lot more than he's been wrong. And you have to admit that he really has devoted his life 40-plus years to defending New Yorkers on a physical and emotional level. So regardless of whether you think he's a legitimate candidate, whether you think he can win, do you think he'd be good for that job? Yeah, I mean, I I think he would. That's why, uh, you know, going back to the fight we had uh, about two years ago almost, uh, I did everything I could to try to get him uh, become the mayor of the city of New York. I even read all the text messages uh, between he and I, and I sent them to you over the air uh, about how many times. But I asked a mutual friend of ours, who I won't mention his name, but he's also affiliated with WABC. I said, sir, w- why is Curtis mad at me now? And apparently he, he reached out to my office uh, to ask if I received some sort of a, of a letter from D.A. Bragg about the investigation in Eric Ulrich. And I said, well, did he call my office? And they said, no, no, I think he sent some intern or something, some journalist to ask, and you guys never followed up. This is a guy who has my cell phone number. If he wants to know whether I'm involved in in the investigation of Eric Ulrich, he could just text me and ask me. But instead, I I think he wasn't really trying to find the answer out of concern Mm. for me. I think he was trying to find the answer just so he can go out and rant and and rave about me. (laughs) That's probably true. I mean, it's probably true, right? (laughs) This is someone who then wants bad for me, right? This is someone who's who's really against me. He doesn't want bad for you. But And and this whole investigation into Eric Ulrich, I'll go on record and say it, is nonsense. A bunch of nonsense. Everything I've read, none of it is true. None of it. But that's a whole other story. Let's get back to uh, what's going on with the with the mayor. Let's start with the investigation. A bunch of FBI raids. It wasn't just Suggs residents in Brooklyn. It's been more than that. Uh, also taking the mayor's cell phone. So you tell me, Joe Borrello, you're a smart guy. You're inside on these things. How bad can this get? And do you think it will get bad for the mayor? Well, it certainly could get bad. I mean, I have to start with the caveat. I don't know what the guy does uh, in his personal life. I don't know who he takes money from or doesn't take money from, things like that. But, but I can tell you this. We've seen just now with the January 6th videos, right, we've seen the, the well-worded report that Joe Biden got from the FBI about classified documents while Trump is facing 400 years. We've seen Hillary Clinton, the bleach bit, the, the, the slamming the cell phones, the, the Hunter Biden. If anyone thinks the FBI is still an apolitical, nonpartisan actor, I have a bridge to sell them. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so to me, when this investigation came up, it always struck me as odd that suddenly the FBI – because this, this didn't come out of the Ulrich investigation, by the way. This is separate. So it always struck me as odd that suddenly the FBI was interested in Eric Adams the minute he changed his tune on migrants. To me, it always smelled fishy. And these were things that supposedly happened two years ago. And why it smells even more fishy to me, for four years, I chaired the committee that oversaw the fire department. 
this unit, the Bureau of Fire Prevention, that would do these inspections of, of fire alarm systems, smoke alarm systems, et cetera, was the worst managed entity in the city of New York. As chairman, I met with uh, you know, contractors who do electrical uh, systems, who do the alarm systems, trade associations, real estate developers, everyone saying the same thing. We can't get the most basic inspections done from this unit. So I'm very cognizant, and I would, I would testify, and I, maybe I am this star witness uh, for the defense someday, but every single politician that I know of was reaching out to either me, to the commissioner, to someone to try to get people in their district to just get permits expedited. Hmm. Look, you're a restaurant. I told this to Rosanna Scott the other day. You're a restaurant owner. You close your restaurant for a week. You put a new exhaust system in, a new range hood. You get your first inspection by the FDNY. They say, hey, by the way, you got to do X, Y, and Z. You make the changes. You call for a reinspection. They tell you, okay, we'll come back in nine weeks. Like, that's just total BS. Same thing with, with schools that were scheduled to open. So to me, it always seemed fishy when, when he is alleged to be doing something that I myself have done dozens of times. And if anyone doesn't think the department would prioritize a building when the head of state of a foreign country is coming to cut a ribbon, I have another bridge to sell them. So to me, it, it just adds up to fishiness. And again, the caveat, I don't know what the guy does in his spare time. He, he could be running you know, a Coke empire for all I know. <laughs> I just think... That this particular line of yeah. questioning and yeah. investigation is very, very odd. Well, just so you know, two fervent Republicans, Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani, agree with you that Eric right. Adams seems to be a target of the FBI. And, and our mutual friend, who I love dearly, I must say this, Anthony Caron sends his best to you. He just texted me. But but I want to ask you, though, about Erdogan, because I have been to the Gracie Mansion, Gracie Mansion, I should say, during um, Jewish Heritage Week. And I like Eric. You know, we've dined together. I said this on Fox News, on Jesse Waters' show, just on Friday night. I like the guy. And I've been to Gracie Mansion, Jewish Heritage Week, and he made this really impassioned speech about how he intends to try to stop anti-Semitism. And a lot of his friends and Jewish people who work around him, my dear friend Manish uh, Shapiro, he's a Jewish guy. But how do you explain how do you explain having any relationship, if you appreciate the Jews, with a guy like Erdogan, who has asked for Israel to be destroyed, who hates the Jews, raise a Turkish flag, and then there's even, I don't know, I guess, uh, rumors that this Turkish construction company in Brooklyn is where the mayor got the money from. How could you do both? I don't understand. Explain that to me. No, look, a straw donor scheme is unfortunately commonplace, and we've seen prosecutions of it, uh, and that's going to have to play out. That, that's a real investigation. Does it go up to Eric Adams? I don't know. As far as Erdogan, look, I've gotten two trips to Turkey, but from, in my uh, case, I was actually sponsored by the opposition group. I'm not even allowed to, Tur- to be in Turkey anymore. I got kicked out of the country. Uh, I visited a Turkish prison, Salivri prison, to see how the Erdogan regime was jailing journalists who had the gumption to just report that maybe everything's not what it seems with, with, with the president and then his son. So I have no sympathy for, for Erdogan. That said, I mean, you know, a lot of times you're in politics, you get asked to do stupid things, you don't really learn the whole history of the country. Again, with Erdogan, it's pretty public, it's pretty out there, uh, it's pretty open, uh, the, the, the anti-Semitism. It's, it's more of a problem for those people who have to worry about the world stage, because as we see now with the invasion of Gaza, uh, it is one of the, the major tripwires that could trigger a regional, if not global, conflict if Erdogan decides to enter the, the, the fray. I don't think he will. Uh, I think he knows that, that he, he can operate in that gray area very, very bravely, but he knows there are red lines that he cannot cross, and he has not crossed them in terms of the geopolitical world. He's always crossed them when it, terms to, when it comes to oppressing the minority 
uh, uh, political parties in his country, but never on the global stage. This is Joe Borelli. He's the Republican leader for the New York City Council, and uh, thank God he is. He's terrific. Got about uh, four more minutes to go. Let's stick with the mayor. He announced, of course, uh, these 5% budget cuts, everything getting slashed, cops, fire, education, don't like that one, sanitation. There's already a rat issue. It's going to get worse. As I said on Fox News on Friday night, I, I believe there are three different uh, elements of crime in this city. Your everyday criminals, Joe, those are the guys that are still pushing people in front of subways, still hurting people on the street. Then, of course, you've got your illegals. And if you don't think some of them are committing illegal acts, you're somewhere between naive and stupid. Then you've got the real possibility of terrorists, which I believe are here, and it's just a matter of time. Three groups of people already committing and potentially committing a lot more crimes. This city needs 45,000 cops, let alone 28,000. You explain to me how we're going to be okay after Eric Adams' announcement on Friday. Oh, oh no, we're, we're absolutely screwed. Uh, I only hope and pray that this was some braggadocio or a way to leverage maybe getting more federal funding, and maybe we cancel one class of cops at, at, at worst. Uh, I suspect, though, that this is not that and that it is real because we have a significant budget gap to make up for. This problem, by the way, as we've spoken about with, with you, with Curtis, with everyone, this problem was as predictable as, as the worst Sylvester Stallone movie. We always know he was going to fly <laughs> off in the helicopter, right? We, we always knew this was going to screw the New York taxpayers at the end of the day because the money doesn't actually grow on trees. I, I got to be honest, the comptroller was chirping at me on Twitter saying, well, the migrant spending only accounts for one third of our budget gap. Yeah, that's right, you, you, you jabroni. We knew about the two thirds. <laughs> the two thirds was our planned budget gap. We were going to manage it just like we've done every year since the Great Recession. We know how to do these things. There's a budget dance. It happens every single year. The extra three billion, the four billion, that was unexpected. That's why we are at DEFCON, you know, two right now. Uh, talking about real significant service cuts. We've always managed to cut the sprinkles every year. Do we put sprinkles here? Do we put sprinkles there? Now we're cutting the cupcake. Now we're actually going to see, in in, in reality, the number of police officers by 2025 going down to 29,000. By the way, this is not just from recruiting. This is from retirements. People want to get the heck out of here, and who could blame them? I mean, who could actually blame a cop for hitting 20 years in one day and saying, I'm getting the F out of here? So we have this crisis now where we spent all of our money on migrants. Now we're going to see the, the, the destruction and the, the, the downturn um, yeah. New York City faces. Well, and we're also going to yeah. see the rewriting of history, Sid. And this is where you come in. Don't let these people rewrite history. This was a predictable problem. The migrants spent all the money. Well, what now we're people? making cuts because what of migrants. People? You said don't let these people. What people? It's going to be people starting with the mayor, yeah. going to the comptroller, to the city council, to the state legislature. Well, let, me, let me stop you right there. So because, you know, again, I, I, I said on Friday night on Fox News, I'm funny with the mayor. I am. I'm not sure he likes me as much as he used to because I am critical of the mayor because he is absolutely partly to blame here. I mean, in a big way. A year ago, he wasn't talking like this. A year ago, he was still the Biden of Brooklyn. A year ago, we're a sanctuary city. Come on, baby. Now, all of a sudden, he wants more, quote, unquote, national government money. So I just want to make sure, Joe, that you are ready, willing, and able to heap some of the uh, some of the the, uh, the responsibility here on the mayor because a lot of folks who like him, no, it's not his fault. He's been critical of Biden. What do you want from him? Yes, but not a year ago. 
Right. And, and that's the problem is that I'm glad he's, he's come around on the issue, right? All the rallies that we had in every part of the city were to get the mayor to change his opinion. He has changed his opinion and changed some policy. So that's a good thing now. But he is the guy who bet the farm. He bet the farm on Uncle Joe coming to bail us out. He bet the farm on this being something like 5,000 or 10,000 people. It wouldn't cost that much money. We can virtue signal. We could celebrate how we're the woke progressive enclave of, of America. And it didn't work out because it turns out when you give people a whole bunch of free shit, they keep coming. They keep coming every single day. <laughs> I love you. He said free duty. Uh, you're right. And that's why Eric Adams and these people should have been smarter. How come I knew? I'm not a politician, but I knew it's very simple. If the border is wide open and it's been wide open from day one, why would this number ever stop at 10,000? I mean, you talk about being narrow-minded not planning for the future, maybe even ignorant or stupid with an open border. Why did Adams or anybody else think this was going to stop? I, I, I don't have an answer. I, I wish I did because it's so inexplicable. Uh, it's so obvious. It's like throwing a, a baseball up in the air and not expecting it to come down, hoping that, that, a, that a stalk comes out of the sky and, and, and picks it up with its, with its beak and flies away. It just it was never going to happen. Money doesn't grow on trees. It, it just doesn't, and it, this is a rude awakening. Man, you are great today. You're funny. Joe Borelli's funny. He's not just – you're very, very smart, obviously. How am I funny? Like a clown, Sid? Come on. By the way, i got to get back into Gravesend. I'm still at the same episode I, I left off when I told you on Thursday night. Uh, the Crown per, per, came out on Netflix, so Mrs. Borelli and I, we did a little break for The Crown. We love The Crown. So do I. Now this week we're back for Gravesend. Good. Go back and tell me what you think and come back here real soon. Have a happy Thanksgiving. It was great seeing you Thursday. Great job this morning, and we'll see you again very soon, Joe Borelli. Thank you so you much. Too. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. My man, Joe Borelli, the top Republican New York City Council. That was a great appearance. I'm going to go to Joe Nolan now. We're going to talk to Jason Trenner. Okay, we'll take a break. Jason Trenner. Fox Business, CNBC, all of it. It's got a big event tonight, which I'm hosting at the New York Athletic Club. We'll talk to Jason right after this. Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Oh, man, Dr. John might hear another birthday, Lewis. We celebrated Joe Walsh with some Eagles, long run. We celebrated Dwayne Allman, sweet Melissa. This is Dr. John. But John checked out the house a long time ago, Johnny, didn't he? Uh, yeah, 2019, I just No, he's wow. gone yeah, he's almost gone. five years, yeah. So I got a big night coming up tonight. Oh, I got to tell Jason, you got to give me a Tom Murrow plus one. Leave two more tickets at the door. It is boxing night at the New York Athletic Club. 
big deal right there on uh, Central Park South. And uh, I guess they have, like, uh, some real big-time celebrity speak first. And that's going to be me. They've had guys like Stephen A. Smith, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Well, I'll be speaking tonight. Then a short Q&A. And then a whole night of boxing. And Jason Trenard, who puts this thing together every year, is uh, not only handsome but really smart. And he's a money guy. He's been in studio with us before. He's on Fox Business, probably CNBC as well. He's right there with Gasparino, Crowley, Cudlow, all of them. But he's also a big sports guy, so I'm excited to do his event, uh, Danielle and I, later on tonight. Jason Trenner. Jason, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, good to be here, Sid. Nice to have you back. Well, you love this show, yeah. and you love the music, man. I, I listen to it every morning, and as I always say, the music is unbelievable. <laughs> Maybe it's because you and I are the same age, but I, I don't know. It's uh, it's always great. Uh, I'm glad you think that way, and I'm glad you enjoy the program, and thank you for uh, coming back again. First of all, uh, thank you for uh, doing this uh, with me tonight, and I'm humbled you picked me to host. For folks that may want to get there tonight, New York Athletic Club, what exactly is in store? Well, so it's uh, so it's it's private clubs. Not, not, I'm sorry, not everybody can come, but this is one of these things I used to do with my dad. They have intercollegiate boxing matches every year at the New York Athletic Club, and there's so the service academies. There's a couple of other colleges. They all come uh, to New York on the Monday before Thanksgiving, and it really is like a throwback event. You you think you, you close your eyes or you know squint your eyes, you think you're in like the 1940s. Like all of a sudden, Burt Sugar is going to be sitting there wearing his hat and smoking <laughs> his cigar. I miss him. Right, right. right. Yeah, Burt was Burt was one of our speakers. So. This is one of these things. I was very close with my dad, and we we were very much into uh, to baseball um, and boxing and horse racing. And so every year before he passed, we would go to this thing, just the two of us. And then when he passed away, I said, let's make the Klein event. And so every year since then, it's about 16, 17 years, we've invited clients to join us, about 50 to 75 people. And then we get a special speaker like yourself. And we talk about we've had Bobby Valentine, we've had Burt Sugar, and, and uh, George Cooney, and we've had uh, you know a, a lot of you know Chuck Wepner, the Bayonne Blader, yes. Rocky, and it's a it's a great it's a great evening, a great throwback, you know, uh, very throwback type night. Well, you're a big sports fan, Jason Trenup, and you make your money every day talking about the market and finances and. You know, I spent a lot of time on this show the last couple of weeks, obviously talking about what's going on in Israel. But I'm always quick to remind people, don't forget what's going on here, right? I mean, certainly when you look around the world, the foreign policy for Biden is a complete disaster. How you can argue that, I don't know. Trump is president. There's no issues in Ukraine or Crimea. Before him, Obama, Putin invades. Trump leaves, Putin invades again. Uh, you got the war in Israel. You got China flirting with attacking Taiwan. You got the North Koreans firing missiles into the water towards Japan. I mean, it's a mess. But let's not forget what's going on here, which is still interest rates strangling Americans and inflation, while down from a year ago, still way too high. Way too high. Is that not true? No, it's true. And I think, you know, Sid, all those things are are connected, right? So because... Um the Biden administration is running massive deficits, uh, deficits like we've never seen before at this level of unemployment. Usually, usually you run deficits this high, 5 6% of GDP, when you're in the midst of a recession. 
uh, and the unemployment rate's above seven. Now, now the unemployment rate's below four, and they're spending money like it's it's no tomorrow, and it's largely to get reelected. Uh, the cost of that, though, is inflation. Um, so, you know, there's a cost to avoiding a recession at all costs, and that cost is inflation. And given what's happening globally now, um, the costs for the U.S. taxpayer are going to go up. And, and I would say inflation is likely to go up, too, because we're not going to be able to rely on goods from all around the world at very cheap, subsidized prices. We're in a world that we call it, you know, it's deglobalization, where the U.S. isn't going to be the only only power in the world to to secure naval lanes and shipping lanes and all the rest of it. So this is all, you know, it all fits into one piece. And um, unfortunately, there's absolutely no concept of fiscal sobriety in, in Washington, D.C. And that's what makes me skeptical that the lower inflation that we've seen over the last year is is going to persist. And it's still high. It's still much higher than what the Fed wants. It's still, you know, um, Fed wants 2%. It's still, depending on your measure, it's somewhere between 3 and 4%, much higher than what we've been accustomed to. Much higher than Trump. Let's just put it that way. I believe it was 1.4, right? I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest about all this and, and say the word Trump. I know it's a dirty word to a lot of people, but they need to wake up and smell the coffee. None of these issues were issues just a couple of years ago. So I would ask you this. It seems like, Jason, we're fighting with the whole world. I mean, I know he met with China last week, and they had a nice little discussion it just seems like we're fighting with the whole world. So how do we improve relationships? I'm not even talking about from a war standpoint. I mean, from a from a financial standpoint, with all these people that we seemingly don't really get along. Well, the, I mean, I would say it's peace through strength, right? So it's it, there, it, there's two parts of it. One is, I would say, and I'm not a military expert or geopolitical expert, but certainly I think when other countries respect us and our power geopolitically, that helps. I'd also say, though, that we, if we have sound fiscal um, background that helps as well, um, and so right that that makes it more difficult for other countries to ignore us or go their own way, and so it, it again goes back to spending, uh, and and this is something unfortunately we've we've had this exorbitant privilege they call it of having the reserve currency forever. We're not probably going to lose it, uh, you know, for the last hundred years. We're not going to lose it anytime soon. I don't think. But if we keep going down this road, um, we'll, we'll lose it. And that, that will mean significantly higher inflation and significantly weaker yeah. U.S. Uh, power around the world. I mean, in fairness to uh, Biden, Trump also spent a ton of money. I know we talk about COVID, and that was a lot of money. But he also spent a lot of money. To be fair, Donald Trump did. But we were healthier. I mean, now the you know they kept raising interest rates and 0.5, 0.5. I believe the last time they didn't in an effort to lower inflation – so it kind of gave you this um, this misconception that things were getting better. But if I can't go into a bank and get a loan, if I can't buy a house, if I can't sell my house, how are things better? No, it's listen, it's it's true. Uh, at the prime rate, so that's the rate that banks charge their best customers, eight and a half. A thirty-year fixed mortgage would be close to eight percent, right? So one of the things that's happening in the housing market now is a lot of people. People say, well, housing prices are so high. They're so high because a lot of people can't move. Because they they have very low uh, mortgage rates in their existing home, and if they wanted to move, they'd have to pay much much higher mortgage rates on their next home. So they're not moving. There's a limited supply, and prices are still high. But in terms of just the quality of life uh, and the standard of living, 
it, it's hard to say that it's better than it was one year, two years, three, certainly when, when Donald Trump was, uh, was in office. As someone who lives in New York City, who's lived in the city for the last 30 years, I could say that my quality of life has also declined you know, meaningfully yeah, yeah. since the pandemic uh, because of a lot of the issues that you're talking about in terms of migrants and all the rest of it, crime. Um, it's uh, everybody but terrorists too. Add a third yeah. element to that crime. You got the uh, the everyday guys that are still pushing people in front of trains, and you got the migrants, and then here come the terrorists that right now are still hiding somewhere in Astoria, Queens, uh, in Atlanta. I'm not really laughing. So uh, uh, you mentioned recession in the last sixty seconds, and again bringing on uh, your colleagues, my friends, the Crowleys, the Cudlows, the Gasparinos, yeah. even the Ansanas. They were telling me months ago a recession is coming. They weren't sure it would get to a depression, but certainly at the very least a recession. And I don't believe we're there yet. Does that mean we're not going to get there? I think it's still, Sid, I would say if you're placing odds, uh, it's that's the odds-on favorite type of uh, call. Is that a recession? Listen, you, you know, you, um, recessions are part a normal part of a business cycle. They they come uh, eventually. We have the one we had that was during COVID was extremely short, basically because we flooded the system with liquidity. So this is part of the reason why we have inflation now. But um, normally, even if it's a mild one, it lasts a while. And I would argue it's very rare not to get a recession when interest rates rise this much. And so if you're a betting, if you're a betting man, you'd say that a recession is likely. Now, hopefully it's mild, but um, it's, you know, it's not that mild if you lose your job, right? So it's, it, it's a, um, there's really no such thing as kind of a mild recession in a way, um, maybe for the financial markets, but not for individuals. So in my opinion, one is quite likely just simply because the Fed has tightened as much as they have. It's it's almost never happens that the Fed tightens this much and you don't get a recession. Right, right. Well, Jason Trenner, that was a great conversation. You're now two for two. Congratulations. Baseball, you're hitting a thousand. But I look very much forward. I'm going to see you in about, uh, seven hours. So, um. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. So is Danielle. So enjoy your afternoon and we will see you at the fights later on tonight, Bob. All right. All right. Take it easy. You too. Jason Trenner right there. All right. Go to New York Athletic Club, baby. This is it. I'm done. We're done. Saying goodbye. I got to go, bitches. Lou Rapino, great job. Justin Ellick, Noam Layden, Jimmy Flippin, who was uh, doing the news today with no pants on. He looks good, I got to tell you. He looks better That's than a good-looking man right there, Ooh. that Jim Flippin. He a hottie. We're done. See you tomorrow at 6. Peace! Yeah. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details